And there we go. We are back again for another fantastic conversation on Friday Night Counter-Attack. Later on, we've got a special guest, Double A, host of Talking Kit and a good friend of mine who also goes to Man United Games. And um, it's not a bad foot golfer as well. So we'll get Double A's thoughts on Manchester United, on Liverpool's uh, dreadful form, especially after losing to Real Madrid as well. The upcoming previews to the Carabao Cup final and to the Europa League as well. We've also got a special segment featuring Salim where we've got our uh, five aside for Serie A this season. And we're going to be debating the top five best kits for Champions League final winners. But obviously, it is Friday Night Counter-Attack. We are speaking about Aston Villa as we always do. Salem, you're going to be talking to us about how Aston Villa have ruined my life over the last two weeks. First of all, how are you doing and why have Aston Villa ruined my life over the last two weeks by losing to Arsenal and to Manchester City? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm good, thank you. Um, it's been quite frustrating for me as well, those two games, especially the Arsenal one. When I feel mm. like, you know, we should have... I don't want to come out and just say we should have won, but we should have at least taken a point. And the way the game was going, you know, it was swinging each way. And um, we we performed well. You can see that there's some sort of, there's a bit of a lacking in terms of, you know, options for the squad. But, you know, that would be addressed in the summer. We we lost control of the game once Louise and Wendy came off. Even Coutinho, you know, those three were brilliant for us. And I'm, I was quite surprised when I saw when I take them off at that point of the game. I did speak um, to you about Coutinho the week before as well, about how he's just coming back into it with Unai Emery as well. And he had a fantastic start to the game, scoring as well against um, Arsenal as well. But again, your your squad is too thin. So hopefully for the rest of the season, it, you can finish in a respectable place as well. And hopefully beat some of these bigger teams as well along the way. Just not Man United, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I just I just felt like once they came off, we lost like all grip of the game, you know. And pretty much every goal was a defensive error. It was... It was awful to see, but Emery, his main thing is the frustration that we can't play well for 90 minutes. You know, we played good in spells. Like that first half was all Villa. Parts of that second half was this, but we're just too patchy and concentration is just awful. Like the first goal, like Mings, you know, heads it back into the danger zone instead of heading it out. Although it's been brilliant for us, I can't, you know, really complain. And then second goal, poor defending from that corner. Like it was the same as what Steven did to us. Just child, child, you know, child level defending that. And um, third goal, that won the goal from Jorginho. You know, I feel like we were Bounce a bit hard done by Emmy's head yeah, as well. But, you know, a bit hard done by from VAR. I feel like it was never going to be given, considering what happened last week. Mm. Um, and the VAR guy last week, obviously losing his job while resigning, so that was never going to be given. And the fourth goal, obviously, there's a lot of debate on that between Emmy going up and why should he have gone up or not, and this kind of stuff. Still should have gone up if the manager didn't say it. I definitely agree with Unai Emery with what you said there. But yeah, it just made it look worse than it was. If it's 3-2, it's almost respectable 4-2 with the goalkeeper going up, running through the yeah. goal. Looked a bit silly in the end, I think. The thing, the thing is, I don't want to say I'm happy with losing, but I, I get some comfort, you know, I stress this being some comfort in the sense that we are playing some good football in patches. And, you know, we the, the form we showed earlier on, in Unai's tenure was amazing we've only lost I think three games under him and that was Leicester again yeah. unlucky which we should have won we just obviously bottled that with mistakes again unlucky with the offside goal Man City you know first half we just didn't perform uh, second half we were a lot better this Arsenal game you know we, we, were, we were good really good in patches great if anything you know we had Arsenal sort of like rattled at points and the football we were playing were brilliant and you know the thing for me that I look at Emery and you can see he's hurting he's so frustrated he's come out saying he's embarrassed and you know this is only like good signs for us people need to remember it's still early days and implementing a style of football like this it takes time and 
you know, for some managers, it does happen quicker, but you have to just look at the best, like Pep Guardiola, you know, that first season at Man City, he wasn't all that, but you know, the one thing he didn't do was change. He's just stuck by his principles. And if he says, if I change, there's no point. And, and for me, that's the main thing for Unai and that he's sticking with it. And, you know, you're either going to play out from the back or you're going to get sold. It's as simple as that. But I'm looking forward to a lot of players coming back from injury, like Carlos being one. He's been out, you know, for a bit. Kamara's Ages. Back well. Yeah, yeah, mm. quite a long time. We're lucky with the World Cup coming in the way, giving him some extra time to recover. And for me, you know, for the end of the season, it's just keep performing now and, you know, adapting. And there's obviously talk, I mentioned it last week on the podcast, about a big window coming up. That's and, what yeah, I wanted to ask you about as well. Where's that one position in, in the squad where you think Aston Villa needs to replace? And what player do you think you should be getting or looking to get um, for the summer, Sam? So just name one player in one position that you think Aston Villa can improve on um, in the summer. It's, it's a hard one because, uh, like, I can, I, can, I can see somebody in each position, really, that could come in. Because there's you know, rumours, the obviously, of, of Tammy Abraham coming from Roma to yeah, Aston so, Villa as well, know, coming back to Aston Villa, I should say. But I'm also looking at kind of your... Your right backs as well. I know Metacash had a decent World Cup as well. There's probably Ashley Young as your backup one as well. But in the in the day and age of Premier League football, fullbacks are more important than some of their wingers as well because of the way people play mm. as well. So you're kind of looking at is it a winger, is it a striker, a fullback? Um that's kind of what I think. I think obviously Tammy Abraham would be a great signer if you got him back. But um what do you think, Silent? I know you can't pick on one, but pick one. I know. I, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll highlight a few and then I'll go with my choice. So, mm. in terms of bringing another, def- there's talk about bringing another defender in because Emery likes to play with three centre backs. So one centre back becomes a right back, and yeah, then yeah. like you know, a, a Moreno type of left back. So there's talk about Paul Torres. You know, he he was devastated when Emery left, and he'd he'd actually there's talks that he'd leave for him. So he's he's a shout there. You know, right backs. There's a few we have been linked with, but I'll skip over that because my defensive choice, I'd say, is Powell. Um, yeah. In sort of midfield kind of position, you know, there was no secret that we were after a winger. We needed one, you know, really badly. Uh, just something else, just something like a different option. With you know, Gerard getting rid of all our wingers you know, for whatever reason, as he mm. obviously hates width. But yeah, that's a really good winger. Is somebody we need to, I don't know, a winger forward, like somebody like, you know, I'd say more forward actually, but Jonathan David, he was one that was linked. And, you know, Tammy Abraham, uh, Delafeo, they were players that were linked. But you I know, mean, even if you go, go back to Villarreal as well, you could go back to get Jeremy Pino, uh, yeah, one of yeah. the brightest young players in, in La Liga football as well. Or Chuck yeah, so, as well. Good shot. And th- there was a few other na- uh, names from La Liga, Kai, but remember, um, it's a yeah. South Korean player, I'm sure. Uh, I, I don't want to butcher his name, but I think he's he's on loan from Valencia, or is that Valencia? I think he is um, as well. On loan from Valencia, yeah, yeah, that's it. But yeah, th- th- there's obviously going to be people, and the thing is, like, I'm I'm open. Like, he doesn't have to be a big name. Like you've seen with Emery, like he can bring players in and transform them completely. Like you know, Juan Foyt, somebody that I suppose wasn't all that, and you know, new lease of life out there. So yeah, I'm just I'm just excited to see what happens. Um, you know, I trust Emery, and I feel like the the thing is the board's happy to get a top ten finish this year, and that's it. And then let the window come and sign big, and then go for Europe. That and that and that's and that's the plan. One team who has splashed out this last re- window as well is Chelsea. Salim, when was the last time Chelsea won a game? Do you remember? I think they won. Was it two in fifteen now or something? Yeah, like two in 13, I think, recently, which has been un- unbelievable to actually say out loud for Chelsea Football Club with the money that they spent. I also thought it was quite stupid how Azpilicueta looked like he was dying on the pitch 
and they've got Jao Felix and Mudric just like passing the ball between each other. They've got a ton of wingers. Maybe go for Callum Hudson-Odoi next summer. That could be a shout. Um, looking to get rid of some of their players as well. But Chelsea are in uh, disarray at the moment, losing to bottom club Southampton without a manager. I did say recently as well, uh, new manager bounce is witchcraft. It's not a fake thing. It's not a conspiracy. It is actually witchcraft as well. But Graham Potter is probably one of the few players, uh, managers, I should say, who hasn't actually benefited from new manager bounce as well because that bounce is just burst as well. Losing to Bruce Dortmund last week in the Champions League. Obviously, we were knocked out of the... Um, FA Cup as well to manage from Manchester City's point of view as well. What is going on at Chelsea, Salem? And do you think Graham Potter should be sat? Because it's looking like time is up from what I can see from Graham Potter as well. And I'm quite worried um, for his more mental health of actually being criticised week in, week out with all the players that he has as well. But they're looking at maybe doing one of these Arteta projects with these young managers coming through as well. What's your thoughts on the whole Chelsea situation, uh, Salem? See, the thing is, it's easy to say this, trust the process. Like, we're saying it and we're backing the manager, we're doing it. But Chelsea is a bit different with the expectation levels there. Mm. And, you know, getting rid of a manager in Thomas Tuchel, the fans just miss him. And he's he's world class, you know, and it's going to be such a big loss because, uh, you know what, I can see him going to like a Liverpool, for example, and, you know, killing it there. You know, he tends to follow Klopp anyway. Mm. But I feel like the calibre of manager they've lost is such a hard, you know, level of manager to replace and these kind of managers they don't come along often that, I'm, that I'm, level that's, that's exactly why um, Liverpool aren't throwing the toys at the pram with Jurgen Klopp as well because they don't know who else they can kind of replace him with maybe a Tuchel maybe a Pochettino but they're not at the calibre of Jurgen Klopp as well which is crazy but mm. we'll get on to that later on but with Chelsea as well their top scorer is Kai Havertz with five goals for the season which I think is crazy when you're looking at uh, Jorginho scoring two of their goals for the season while moving to Arsenal as well. Aubameyang not being in the Champions League squad when they desperately needed a finisher against both Southampton and Borussia Dortmund. I, I don't get what's happening. Maybe too many players is too much for Chelsea to handle from what I can see. What do you think, Salim? See, that, that's the thing that I said about, um, about Chelsea, actually, that when you sign this many players in one go, no matter how good they are, they still need time to gel and... It's different if, you're, if you've got a squad and you've bought three or four good players and you try betting them in. You know, it takes time, but it can happen. With Chelsea, the amount of money they've spent, these players, like, at that level, they have to remember that price tag weighs heavy as well. And you've got players that still haven't fully bedded in, like Kai Havertz, quality player, but I still don't think he's playing at his best for Chelsea. And you look at it like that and they've spent the money, like Mudric, he barely gets touches, never mind passes and dribbles in games. And then you've and got Enzo early as well. Yeah, and, you know, it's just worse. Like, for that player, he knows that he's, you know, drawn another blank and there's talk about him not performing well. And Raheem just Sterling, worse. another one as well. England international, multiple uh, Premier League winner with Manchester City as well. It's worrying to see how he's been a ghost at Chelsea so far this season. It's been worrying to see um, where they're actually moving. And another forgotten player, Christian Pulisic as well. Pulisic and, and Zaya, you know, those two yeah. players, quality. And you've seen Zayek on the international stage. Absolute baller there. But when it comes to um, uh, Sterling, you know, one of my mates is a Chelsea fan. And when I found out, even Lukaku, I was like, you know, he's signing a proven goal scorer here. Hopefully he'll bridge that gap. And, you know, he, he didn't. And they were signing Sterling next. And I was like, you know, Sterling, 50 mil, quality signing, 100 Prem goals. You can't go wrong. And again, you know, he's not fully lived up to it. As, as a Villa fan, I'm sort of, sort of looking there thinking, you know, maybe we could take Pulisic or Zayek and, and there's still a player in there. You know, a lot of these players, you'll see a move to another team and just perform. And 
everyone's going to be like, where was his performance before? But it was just not being able to bed into that Chelsea team or the demands of, you know, playing for Potter style, that kind of thing. Definitely. Uh, one one last one before we move on to the next section with Double A uh, when he joins us as well. One player from the Chelsea squad who you're looking forward to watching for the rest of the season and why? There's a few in there. I mean, we spoke... You can't about leave the, it on a negative. That's the thing. I need a, I need nah, a positive look, side of it as well. There's one thing I, I do want to say and that's Chukwa Mecca leaving Villa to start at Chelsea and look how that's worked out for him. It's something that we did mention. He would have thrived under Unai Emery. He would have been your main wonder kid. He would have well, overtaken Jacob yeah. Ramsey. He would have been one of these uh, impact players off the bench as well. And he's been fantastic when we've seen him for Chelsea, but not exactly seen him at all recently under Graham Potter and with all the new signings at Chelsea. So yeah, Chuck Kamek would be a shout. He, he, would, he would have been the one, but other than that, I'd probably say the one that I am really looking forward to. Does it have to be a new signing or just the current player? Anyone. Anyone, the, the one player... Uh, the thing is, I'd go Thiago Silva, but you know he's he's already he's still performing at his best. So probably the best player this season. I really want to see. I really want to see. Um, to be honest, I, I really want to see Enzo Fernandez like really boss it in the Prem. I know he's yeah. come for a big fee and all the talk, and he, he was a pretty much relative unknown to a lot of us, except you know Felipe Neves, mm-hmm. um, our guy. Need him back on soon. But yeah, he was pretty much unknown but I'd, I'd love to see him you know live up to that price tag you know stupid as it sounds like people be like yeah he should be playing well he's a 100 million player but it doesn't always work like that and we've seen so I, I hope he does have what it takes to really live up to that price tag and you know this crucial role that he's going to play for Chelsea definitely one player who I think is probably their best player over the last couple of seasons as well and probably the most crucial player in that Chelsea side is Reese James when you're looking at Reese James and when you're looking at how he's actually set up coming back from his injury as well, it shows how dominant he is on that right-hand side as a right uh, fullback for Chelsea as well. I still don't know how Chelsea actually survived without Reese James having Azpilicueta there or maybe you had having Ch- uh, Chalaba there as well as a, as a false fullback as well. But Reese James is the man that actually makes Chelsea tick. You can th- yeah. think about how midfielders are normally the players that make uh, midfielders' uh, teams tick in the Premier League. But Reese James... Everything goes through that side and it shows how dominant he's been over the last couple of years as well. My question to you, Salem, because we did it last week and I've got a bit of fun for you as well. So, start, bench, sell. We're going to do this every week now. I'm loving this. I've got one for you, Salem. Reese James, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Carl Walker. Start, bench, sell. Who would you go for? Start, James, bench, Walker, sell, Trent. Damn it, we got exactly the same. I mean, Reese James is just the guy now as well. You know, for Reese James, he's a player for me. He can play on in any position on that pitch. He's so good. He's got the attributes to you know to play anywhere and such a quality player. We, we really, I feel like we missed him at the World Cup. I feel like he could have just added like a bit of a different dimension there. Is yeah, Reese James the best centre back? Uh, is, yeah, let me get that right. Is Reese James the best right back in the world on his day? <sighs> I'd say he can be. I'd say he can be. I was I was looking at Carvajal yesterday in the Real Madrid game. I was thinking if Reese James is in that position, he's bombing down that wing as well. You've seen Vinicius take on Trent every day of the week. Mm. But when Vinicius played against Reese James uh, in the Champions League last season, he just it just there's a big 50-50 battle as well. Reese James was on it like Sonic as well. And I think it's an absolute joy of a player to watch as well. So much so, his only Chelsea player I buy on FIFA career mode as well. And I have him in my Man United side. So I need to shout out Reese James there as well. And I think it's gonna be See, that an amazing thing. This is the thing I don't understand about Trent. Like, people are saying, you know, he can't play right back. He's not good enough. But for me, it's like 
maybe they could find a different position for him. Maybe he can play in that right centre mid position. I feel I like he's got the attributes to play as a midfielder. And I'm, I don't want to be like his biggest hater. People saying he can't defend. He can defend. He's just in quite an open system for starters, yeah. which obviously doesn't help and isn't ideal. But I don't know. I, I feel like maybe right centre mid, maybe that's one for him to try out. Because he, for me, he seemed like somebody that used to be a winger that's been converted to a right back, basically. He was. That's what personally looks like to me. He used to be a right midfielder, then he dropped back to right back. But there you go. That, that's what he looked like. So, No, that's all good. Um, but yeah, everyone, uh, we're moving on to part two of the podcast. Everyone is Double A from Talking Kit. Double A, introduce yourself to everyone who hasn't heard from you in the last six months of being on our podcast. What have you been up to recently? How have you been? How's the content going? What's it like? Yeah, Hams, thank you for inviting me back. It's always good to be on Friday Night Counter-Attack. It's been a, yeah, you're right. I don't seem like it's been six months, but yeah, it's been a little bit. I, I think I'm, where everyone I'm, just sees you on our on our platform is our is after the Man United games, when I'm just like, yes, we won 2-0 versus Spurs, <laughs> and I get your reaction. That's where everyone knows you from straight away. I guess so, yeah. And I, I always think my voice sounds sounds strained after a game. I've got nothing on you. I, I can barely hear you talk after a game sometimes, mate. That's you absolutely you think. You know me, I'm a quiet, I'm a placid, <laughs> I'm a respectful person. But on match day, match day, you get match day hams. You get a different animal yeah. coming out there as well, uh, which absolutely, is the case. Man. Absolutely. But no, I, I'm, I'm well, thank you. Uh, Talking Kit seems to be, that's my YouTube channel, uh, you know, that does what it says on the team. We'll just sit there and we talk kit. Uh, uploading twice a week now, really sort of, it's the consistency, I think, is is really is what's working for us. So we have two shows. Desert Island Kits, I know it's something we need to get you on. So we sit down with a football kit collector. I'm going to speak about five shirts from their collection that they would take to a Desert Island. Totally unique idea. I don't think anyone's ever used that idea before. Uh, definitely not no radio station. It's been going since 50, 60 years. But yeah, definitely that, that's not. Definitely not. Uh, but yeah, that, that's a, a week a weekly one that's going up and I'm really enjoying that. It's really nice to see the other side of collecting and giving giving collectors that hard choice of, of picking five shirts. Like I had people on... Who did you have recently? Did you have Kit Manor, man? On. Oh that... yeah, Marcus. Yeah, yeah. Kit Manor, man. Yeah, he, he's a legend, man. I, I love that guy for sure. Like, I can just sit up and talk to him about anything, it, you know, not just football kits. We've got, I love an interest in music and, as well as football in general. So really nice to have him on. We've worked on, he's been on Talking Kit quite a few times, to be fair. Uh, mainly the other show we do, uh, Full Kit Rankers, which yourself have been on before. That's kind of the staple. That's the one that really we we do love so much. Um, and it's basically picking 10 shirts from numerous themes, really. Um, the, the latest episode, one we're doing tonight uh the day of recording uh this is the new mls kits the, the the new ones you may have seen them that have dropped 29 of them have dropped we're only doing 10 of them we only ranked 10 shirts so we get again we get some collectors on from the kit community and football lovers in general and, and we each score them one to ten and then we get a sort of definitive list and then we go through that final ranking and see where they've all placed and stuff but i think it's just what I like, and I've, I've probably said it on here before. What I want Talking Kit to be is not about me, and it's not about my opinions. Although I do give them sometimes, I want to hear the stories on shirts and why people love a certain shirt or a certain player that wore a shirt. And we all have them, uh, you know. Even if you don't collect shirts, I guarantee you probably remember the first shirt you ever owned. And I just want to hear. I want to hear about that. I really find it interesting, and you know. 
why people hate certain teams or don't like certain teams or colours that certain teams wear. I just find them and the people within the community, I don't think I've ever met anyone that I don't like, um, which is strange really. But I think we all just have that shared passion and love for football shirts and what they mean. And yeah, I, I'm really enjoying it, mate. It's I've got certain goals for the channel this year and we're chugging along nicely. And it's always, it's always nice to get new kit heads, as I like to call it, or subscribers or fans or whatever you want to be called. Um, it's always nice to have them involved in the show for sure. Absolutely. And I'm looking forward to seeing how it grows over the next coming months, years as well. It's a great platform to uh, be a part of as well. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what else we've got coming up for the rest of the season, let alone the rest of the year as well. Double A. So it's nice to hear your thoughts on that, which will be great. Right then. Um, first things first, I do need to start by saying, or ever, actually before I start, everyone to stick around to the end of the podcast because we're going to be ranking the top five Champions League winners football kits so we're going to see who's got the best and who's got the worst um but obviously the top five is how we're going to finish off as well which would be great but on to, on this week's show we are going to be talking about the falterings of graham potter the falterings of jürgen klopp we are going to be talking about potentially the carabao cup final later on as well which would be fantastic but one of our main topics of conversation has will be the Serie A five aside we're doing a five aside we're back to our roots what we like doing, what our audience likes us doing, why we, why people like listening to us in the first place. We are going to be doing that when Salem joins us hopefully later in the podcast. But double A, let's start first with, um, get just your reaction really, because we are recording on a Wednesday evening. We are recording the day after Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool got battered, absolutely smashed at home at Anfield to Real Madrid after going 2-0 up as well. They have a mountain to climb going to the Bernabeu. They have a mountain to climb to get into the top four position in the Premier League as well. First things first, before we start laughing at Liverpool, where did it go wrong for Liverpool this season? I think the main issue for me, and it's something that we have seen as Manchester United fans, is that the team being allowed to stagnate and it's not progressed. He's, he's neglected that team and we saw it with Manchester United's midfield from when Carrick left up until we got Casemiro, the midfield's been neglected and I think he's done the same. Jordan Henderson isn't the player to take that, that team forward. A leader as he may be, he really needs to be a bit part player now. They really need to be bringing young, progressive midfielders who are, who are class as well, not necessarily bringing them through the ranks like they've got Harvey Elliott uh, and a few others in, in the team. They need to be bringing those top class midfielders into the team and, and I think you you look at the the, the defence you know one of the strongest defence they've had in the last couple of years and they're just being let down not only by the midfield but I would also say the attack the attack doesn't seem to be clicking and flowing as it once was uh, and what you expect Liverpool to do so I think whatever the reason why Klopp's not decided to to strengthen in certain areas and you can talk about Nunes and, and what he brings but for me I think he's actually a good player I think there's actually a really good player there and I think we're starting to see it in glimpses, um, you know, not every player is going to come and be the, the finished article. He's a young, he's a young man. Um, he's, he's far from the finished article. He's, he's, a, he's a gem, though, and you can see that in him. And there's a reason why Ten Hag wanted him, and I can see some elements in this game of uh, as to why Ten Hag wanted him. They've also gone and got Gakpo. For me, a strange, a strange signing. Uh, more, it is the the kind of signings you see after a World Cup. Certain certain teams go and get that. That, that star of the World Cup and it doesn't seem to work out if we go back I always have to reference United but United did it with Carol Poborski after the Euros exactly. you know he scores he scores one amazing chip and then 
we don't see anything of him again. So it, it soon after the World Cup in 2002 as well. That was a big yeah. sign we got. Ab- absolutely. And I think Liverpool did it before with El Hajjouf as well after the World Cup, I think, as well. You know, there's, there's precedent there and I think you have to be careful. Let, let's see. It would have been nice for him to have the season. I think Ruud van Nistelrooy told Gakpo to have the season and I think that was more to push him towards Manchester United, which the bid never came. So they are they are a youngish team in certain areas. You know, the forward line is quite young, apart from, apart from Salah and Firmino, but they've got a lot of young players there. And it'll click, you know, Jota's coming back, which should help hopefully help them. The defence looks shaky as well. Joe Gomez is getting a lot of stick I've seen from Liverpool fans after yesterday. I think he was involved in a lot of the goals uh, for Madrid, um, you know, being at fault for a few of them. But I think overall... It looks to me there's a bit of complacency setting, and and that rot is is kind of going through the team. And I, like I say, I, I, I'm it's dry, I'm, isn't it? It's very very dry yeah. watching Liverpool for the first time in years. When I've been watching them, you're just looking at it and you're like, yeah, this isn't Jurgen Klopp Liverpool, but it's Jurgen Klopp at the helm. It's the players that he still has, the players that he signed as well. And you're just looking at Liverpool and they're like, they're dry right now. It's it's awful to see. Um, it's, lo- it's lovely for us as Man United fans but you, when you're trying to watch something and you're okay 2-0 up it's great uh, against Newcastle against 10 men yeah 2-0 they were still causing um, they were still they saw g- uh, gaps at the back as well which was worrying to see but I'm not really sure where I can see progress on that I think they can still probably challenge for a Euro- Europa League top 4 position as well I think there's chance of them doing that if they get knocked out of the Champions League I think if they fully focus on the league for the rest of the season that's where your club's going to be able to actually uh, push this Liverpool side further on. But my question to you is, is this Jurgen Klopp's fault or is this just the players' fault or is it the owners' fault um, from Liverpool's point of view? A bit of everything, maybe. Uh, it's hard to put put it on the players. I think the players are playing the way they know how. And I think, yes, the performance could be better. Yes, you, could, you should be asking more from Mo Salah, who's a leader, and, and Van Dijk. And even Joe Gomez, you know, he, he is an experienced player in that team. Suffered with injuries quite a lot, but he, st- he still should be playing to a better level. Robertson's not had a great season. And, you know, Fabinho seems to have fallen off a cliff. I think the players, in every situation, when when things aren't going right on the pitch, the players definitely have to have to look at themselves. But why why is Klopp... Let it stag- let the team stagnate so bad. You know, we talk about if you look at Manchester United every time they won the league, Fergie would always re- refresh. He would always bring players in after. It doesn't matter. You know, even a treble season, we bought players in. He never let he never let the rot set in. And and, and when it was time to reset and, and start and build afresh, that's what he did. And that's what Klopp has to do. You know, Pep Pep has done it. Pep knows the importance of never letting a team stagnate and get too comfortable because. That's when you see what's happening to Liverpool, and you know it's funny. People acting like this this team have won five leagues, and you know been they've been they've been reasonably successful. They've only won one league title, so it's not like an era is ending. It's just that they've they've they're in danger of being left behind. If you look at Manchester United, there's something cooking there under Ten Hag, when he gets backed properly, I expect us to go forward. Newcastle, although they're dropping off a little bit at, at the tail end of this season, it looks like. They're only going to get more dangerous. Arsenal are looking great. Tottenham could start to turn the corner now after uh, the, the result. You know, you, you've seen a bit of an upturn in performances from them. So it's dangerous. And Chelsea will eventually maybe click. Liverpool are in danger of falling falling massively behind. And I think, you know, the fans were excited to hopefully be getting rid of F- FSG. That looks like that's not going to happen now. So, 
it's worrying for Liverpool fans. You have to say it is because the best players left in Mane, and I think the feeling that the effects of that massively. You know, a lot of people talk about Mo Salah, but for me, Mane was always the better player in my eyes. I think he was just an unbelievable player. So they are missing him. Uh, Diaz has been out for a lot of the season. Another player they would be relying on. So it's it's hard to be subjective because obviously not being Liverpool. Um, fan at all and, and and trying to be objective around it as well it's it's I can see from the outside very similar things that happen at Manchester United and, yeah. and I think that's the worry if you're a Liverpool fan because I if I see that what happened at United we we've been in trouble for 10 years until Ten Hag's coming so if Klopp's not not careful and he doesn't try and change it quick I know he's not can't do anything until the summer but he just has to try and get to the end of the season now as best he can I think you know, they're out the, out the FA Cup um, are they out the FA Cup actually did they get knocked out they did didn't they they did yeah first yeah. it was Brighton remember that uh, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah that's, yeah. Um, obviously so and I, I you know I've seen Liverpool fans saying just forfeit the second the second leg there's no point going to the Bernabeu mm. uh, which is funny great but, mentality well this is this is it you know I think they're worried I I I don't think they're going to come back. I think the Bernabeu is, is a tough place for anyone to go. And when a team is putting a performance like that, they'll be they'll be licking the lips, Madrid, uh, getting getting um, Liverpool back there. So, all intents and purposes, they're out of the, they're out of Champions League now. So it is like you say, the league that they can they can focus on. So it's, it's just trying to get as high as as possible. Did it, did he try at least try and get into the Europa or the Conference League because that could hinder the next season as well. Like it's doing with us as you can see obviously it won't be as condensed as it is this season but something needs to change quick and I think he needs to look at it and, and try and try and change the fortunes of the, of the team and get that confidence back because as you, I, I can see it a mile off that play, that team is not playing with any any sort of confidence whatsoever yeah absolutely it's, it's a worrying side for Liverpool fans and for Jurgen Klopp as well when you're looking at how well they have done recently over the past few years they were probably two games away from winning um, the quadruple as well, but it just wasn't the case for Liverpool last season. And they've just, I think it's just, we've spoken about it previously on the season, this season as well. Their mentality has probably just dropped after being mentality monsters. It's just the fact that they're just mentally drained after everything they've done this season as well. And it clearly showed yesterday from the third goal onwards from Real Madrid yesterday as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they do on the weekend and I'm looking forward to seeing how they do on that return leg. Um, that's a Real Madrid as well which will be absolutely crazy but double I need to get you to speak about obviously Manchester United because Manchester United are on for a big week at the time of speaking we haven't played Barcelona and we haven't played Newcastle in the Carabao Cup final as well so I kind of wanted to know from your point of view as well from the last time we spoke back in September back when Ten Hag probably had a couple of games under his belt before the Manchester City game as well how well has Ten Hag done in that time span? Not even a full season, not even a full year at the club as well to actually change the beliefs, the culture, the mentality at Manchester United. And what's three things you can pinpoint it down? I don't know why the camera's, camera's there. What's three things you can pin, uh, pinpoint down for Ten Hag's change in Manchester United's culture? Let's hear it, my friend. Yeah, of course. First thing I have to say, and this might really sound sound bad, I'm not saying it. First of all, Ten Hag is a liar, right? Because you may remember he said... I'm not, I'm not a magician. I can only work with what I've got. Mm. Listen, he's Harry Potter's best friend because he is pulling tricks left, right, and centre. What he's doing with his team, 
if Harry Potter was to have a reboot, Eric Ten Hag would be Dumbledore in the uh, Dutch version as well. Well, you know, with a bar dead, it could almost be Voldemort, to be fair. But, oh you know, is Voldemort to the rest of the teams <laughs> in the Premier League? It's crazy for Eric Ten Hag right now. 100%. No, no, the rest of the managers dare speak his name because they know mm. what's coming when they do. No one no, does in a press conference. It's crazy, actually, when you think about it. <laughs> no, but but seriously, I never, I never saw this season coming and what he's achieved with his team. I think most United fans would have been happy if we just, you know, managed to get into the top four. At least we're trying to get into the top four and competing there. Maybe, maybe a cup if we were lucky. And I think, you know. He's defying he's defying all all the odds, Hams, because how with the amount of, we're playing every three and a half days or, or something like that. That is ridiculous. And we've not got the biggest squad, we've not got the strongest squad, yet they keep all the fittest out. squad as well. All the fittest squad. No, you're absolutely right. But you know, apart barring, you know, Bruno has played the most unbelievable every game but one Bruno's played this season. I mean, how he does it, and he'll, he'll get he'll get criticized, but for me. You talk about mentality monsters, and he's the biggest of the lot for the in the league for me. I don't, I don't think there's a bigger person. There's a person in the league with a bigger sort of winning, like winning mentality because you know you can't say he's won stuff, but he, his drive and his personality, he wants to be the best and he wants to win with Manchester United every game, and he's proven that. But Ten Hag, for me, what what is the three things that he's doing that that's changing around? For me, his the main the main one that he's doing is he's he's leading from the front. He yeah. he is he's an elite manager and he's he's coming day one and he set his stall out. He's shown it with Ronaldo. He was the boss. He's you know someone was saying I was speaking to someone the other day. They said but he kept saying that you know he, he wanted to work with him and I imagine that is true. But then when Ronaldo is stinking up the gaff and probably coming in with a bad attitude. It, any any manager has to do the same thing in, not in just football. In, in, in everyday life, a manager in an office or whatever, when there's a bad seed, a bad apple, you have to lay the law down and show them who's the boss. And if they can't follow, then they have to go. And that's what he did. And I'm, I'm so happy he did it. You know, you look at Old Trafford seems like a better place without Ronaldo. And I never thought I would say such a thing, which is, which is crazy. I mean, we can take uh, it back to that Spurs game as well. When we both went to the game, we both met after the game. And when we both left the ground, all the talk was, oh, did you see Ronaldo walk down the touchline? And both you and I, when we spoke afterwards, we were like, we didn't see it. We couldn't care less. Don't no. know what happened. Yeah, it. Yeah. Great game from Absolutely. Man United. And he just stole the uh, thunder from all of the great work that the players in Eric Ten Hag did um, in the game as well, which was crazy. So yeah, definitely yeah. resetting that by laying the Lord down. I, absolutely. I don't, I don't, I don't think, I never, I never paid any mind to answer it until it started to get the hysteria that it did. Because for me, I'm more in, I'm more focused on the players who want to be there. As soon as as soon as I seen that and I heard that's what he did, that was it for me. Right, okay, move on. We go and and, and we we focus on the players that want to be here. He's changed the mentality. Not only is he leading and he's an elite manager, he's changed the mentality. He's now got these players believing they are the players that we thought they should be or or think they can be. Last season, a lot of them were pulling out. Three out of tens every single week. It was it was horrendous when we knew there were players in there. You know, Varane coming and not looking like the Varane we know was worrying. Uh, and you can say that about Rashford, Bruno, a lot of even Fred. You know what he's doing with Fred uh, on occasion is crazy. And he's he's bre- he's bred that belief that these te- this team can go on and achieve things. And you know it's what we want as fans. 
and and the players want it as players because they want to be heralded as world class winners, and and that's what he's bringing to that club. And the last one, Delo said something similar. He was like, "We Ericsson Hogg told us from the beginning. He said, I want you guys to be the players that are remembered as bringing Manchester United back to the top. If that doesn't give you spine tingling sensations or anything like that, I don't know what does as a Man United fan or even a player for that matter." Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. And I think if I had to pick a third thing he's doing it. When you say signings, would you say tactics? I, I think, I think yeah, well, it, it, it kind of, he's brought an identity back to the team. It, it, there's, there's a style of play. We've not had a style of play since Fergie. Fergie? Would you, I don't think we had one under Mourinho. We, well, we had one under Van Hal, and it was kind of... It was second bore, season bore Van Hal when we saw it, yeah. Bore everyone to tears. And then, you know, I remember like six or seven games in a row. We didn't have a shot in the first half at Old Trafford. It was a weird stat. But yeah, he's brought an identity back to the team, I think. And and he's made Old Trafford a fortress. We've not people used to come to Old Trafford for, it's like it's like a school 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 trip. They come out, have fun, t- take three points home and it was happening often and often. And you could tell players weren't scared to play there anymore. Teams coming weren't scared to play there. Like even you get a lower league team in the cup and they'd be buzzing to come because they think we've got a real good chance to win it. And I think, you know, the the, the thing we want back is, you know, you, you hear about teams coming during the Fergie, the Fergie era. They'd be beaten before they got they got out, out of the tunnel. They knew they exactly. were beaten. And that's what we want back. We want teams to come and think, we're in for it, in, we're in for it here today, boys. And I think a, a good example of that is the second half against Leicester uh, at the weekend because... I've not seen Manchester United go at a team like that consistently for 45 minutes since since Alex Ferguson was the manager. That that was an old school Manchester United performance in the second half. We didn't we didn't take our foot off the next. We really wanted to to punish them, which we should be doing every single time. You know, our, our goal difference is terrible, and I think I don't remember I don't remember Manchester United or in recent history creating so many chances in a game. We often talk about the number nine role being a, a graveyard shift because nothing's ever created. Their car should have had a hat trick that second half for me. They were all just laying it on a plate match. for him as well. Oh, ab- absolutely. Random with Diego Forlan. Do you remember when Diego Forlan came and they were all setting him up and he wanted, he wanted to give him a penalty. He was winning 5 0 in the Champions League or something. Panathinaikos. Yeah. And, and Keane ran, ran the length of the pitch and was like, no, he's not having it. And it's like, <laughs> and it's, well, that's the mentality of Roy Keane. But that's what it seems like, you know, the desk. And at the end of the day, you shouldn't be doing that. Just get We should have won six or seven nil against Leicester. Easily should have. And we really need to. The goal difference needs to come up, and we need to put in teams to the sword and ending it. And you know, you talk about the two saves by De Gea. The mentality there is 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 brilliant, and it's all it's all coming from one man, Ten Hag, and he's just he's just it's a breath of fresh air in the club. And you'll you'll have seen it. I've spoke about it before. I'm getting to games an hour and a half early now. Whereas last season, I was going 10, 10 minutes before kickoff, getting to my seat. As soon as the game's over, I'm gone. Sunday, I was there 45 minutes after chatting to to people. You know, we're, we're just buzzing to be back, supporting and loving this team. And 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 more, we loved and supported them last season, don't get me wrong. But the fact we're getting it back from the players, from the club, in spades, is, is immeasurable for me. And I think that all comes from Ten Hag and what he's bringing on. I'm so happy and I think we're blessed that, that he chose us and, and we went for him as manager, for sure. Absolutely. When you're looking at it, and obviously there's both match-going fans as well, 
and you're appreciating your your trips or traffic, like for me as a member and like you as a season ticket holder, you're looking at when the next fixtures are coming out, when you're next going to be available, when you can then spend your day off going to Manchester to watch it as well. And it's such a joy when you're watching some of these players who are in some lethal form at the moment. The coaches are in lethal form at the moment. I'm talking about Benny McCarthy. I'm talking about Van der Gargen training, Steve McLaren bringing back some old school culture as well. These are the silent heroes that aren't getting the praise that they deserve, in my opinion. Um, at Manchester United and that's all down to Eric Ten Hag bringing them in and you've seen recently as well Rio Ferdinand goes to the training ground Robin Van Persie going to the training ground as well going to visit them Rooney went um, without the press going there as well so he went on his day off I think one of those days uh, which is crazy to see and you're really loving how Manchester United are I'm not going to say they're back because we haven't done anything and obviously by the time we know uh, when this podcast comes out we'll know if we're beating Barcelona or not but there are the promising signs there that we've needed and we've hoped and we've craved for for a good 10 years now. And literally, it has been 10 years since we last won the Premier League title. The last question on Man United to you, Double A. Are Man United in the title hunt and can we actually win the league if we are in the title hunt? <clears throat> See, I've had this conversation so many times recently and I, and I think, you know, rival rival fans will tell you we're not. But we're, we're in it until we're not in it. Because yeah. if you look, we're five points behind City and it's, is it eight behind Arsenal? Around eight um, behind Arsenal, no. and like fourteen games left, I think. Yeah, for us. and is it, is it is it three? Oh, three behind City, aren't we? Yeah. Um, so you have to say we're in it because yeah. you know eight points is nothing. Like I said, there's a lot of football left to go, and we have to just take it one game at a time. I know it's a real sort of cliche, and how do you think that? But if we win our next six games. And, and and they're not easy games, and you know they are some tricky games in there. But if we win our next six games, or I think even four wins and two draws, if we go and beat the next six games, we've got eight games to go, and we're still in touching different different distance of them over two teams. You have to say we're definitely in with a chance. I think we are in the title race, but I don't think we can win it from this position. I just think there's too many games. If we get past Barcelona. You know, we're still not even into the second round of the Europa. We've still got the second round, the quarters, the semis and the final. That's another seven games on top of already what is cramped. We've got the FA Cup. Yes, the Carabao Cup ends on, on Sunday. It's, for me, there's too many games. And <clears throat> I, I was thinking maybe maybe let the Europa go and then that frees up <clears throat> the midweeks for us because we have to play the Premier League games regardless. Whereas the Europa we don't have to but I'm starting to come around to the fact you know he's it, it goes back to Ten Hag whatever he's doing he's doing right and every game we're going to win and he's going to he's going to do that regardless because he is a winner and you look at Sunday we've got players coming back now Sancho's looking like he's starting to find some form he looked great in the 10 McTominay's back another great another body for midfield you know we're going to miss Donny and, and Ericsson till till April uh, Casemiro's back from, from his suspension now which is great uh, Anthony I believe is back in contention for tomorrow and Sunday Martial to return you know the, the, the squad's starting to look a lot healthier that bench is going to start to look a lot healthier now so who's who's to say we can't do it I'm not going to say we. Are, I'm not going to sit here and say we're going to win the league if we get the next six games out of the way and we're still within touching distance then we can have conversations I just think the, the squad's too light and, and maybe we are a couple of quality players short. But li- listen, listen, mate, honestly, I'm just enjoying the ride. The fact that, that people are saying we are is more than I 
thought possible at the start of the season. The fact we're still in four competitions is more than I thought possible at the start of the season. I'm just enjoying every single moment. Like you say, looking at the fixtures, when are we next there? When am I next at Old Trafford? When are we next on TV? Not even has to be at home. I'm mm. applying for every single away. I'm not getting any, but I'm applying for every single away because I want to be there. I want to support this team because they've brought that, they've brought that feeling back of of loving this club. And that's all I want as a fan. That's literally the only thing I want is to love. And and to get it back, that's all that's all I care about. And that's all that works for Man United fans as well. Like we know that if we do finish third, if we do finish with just one Carabao Cup and get knocked out of the FA Cup in Europa, that's still an achievement in itself for the progress that we've made over the last 10 years as well. And to move forward with Eric Ten Hag in the summer with potentially new owners, which we won't speak about today because it's all just uh, up in the air so far. Nothing's confirmed yet. So I only want to talk about things that are confirmed. You're looking at it and you're kind of thinking there is so much more room for progress because Eric, De- Eric Ten Hag demands that progress immediately. And even with him, I know for a fact, and you know for a fact, we'd both been off the Europa League. But Eric Ten Hag and his players would definitely not want to have been off the Europa League at all. It'd be no. their first chance of silverware for the first time for since 2017, so six years, I would say, which is crazy. And you'd be probably looking at potentially trying to beat West Ham, get into the quarterfinals or the semifinals of the FA Cup as well, and so much more further in a domestic cup competition as well, which is absolutely fantastic as well, which is great. But one last question on Man United before Salem joins the call. Um, who's been your favourite signing this season from Eric Ten Hag's signings? I can't even call them Galacticos. I don't know what Hagacticos. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no pun I can think of straight away for Eric Ten Hag. Nah, nah. Um, I mean, it can only be one, mate. I mean, you know, Martinez was in with a shout, and I think he is, he has, he has shown it, proven his doubt is wrong because um, coming here, five foot nine, five foot ten centre back, people were writing him off. You see what Jared, Jamie Carragher says, and he's eating his words now, but. And I love him, and I think he's amazing. I really love watching every single game he plays. But Casemiro is, is the best midfielder in Europe, and I don't care. You know, it sent, he's better. He's better than that, Party. You said that. You said that on one of my on one of my videos, and a few people were like, "No, he's not. De Bruyne is better." And then I was like, "Wait until the Man City game when Casemiro played that full ninety minutes." And you're just kind of there, like that shows everything. It shows the quality of Casemiro. Oh. And like you said, if he is the best midfielder in the world, best midfielder in Europe as well, I'll wholeheartedly back it as well because people want to compare Declan Rice to Casemiro. They want to compare Partey to Casemiro. And it's more the impact. We've spoken about this as well. I spoke about it on Trafford Tunnel a couple, oh, maybe a week ago. The drop-off in quality from Casemiro to our next best centre defence in the field, it shows the levels of quality that Casemiro brings to the side, which is unbelievable. But we, we don't have another central, central defensive midfielder. And that's the... Just- scary thing I think just to drop off for the rest of the midfield we've got in the team from him it, it is unbelievable and listen I've been a fan of him for years you know I, I support Brazil they're, 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 my, they're my national team so I know I've, I've watched this guy for years and years and years I know exactly how good he is and when I never I never dreamed that he would play for Manchester United never dreamed he would play for Manchester United but when we got him I couldn't believe it he's, he's the best signing we've had since, since, since Van Persie for me because He's everything we've needed in that team. A leader, world-class talent. And and what I love most about what he's brought to the team and the Premier League and what he's shown people is that he's not just a CDM. He's shown that he's a technically gifted, amazing footballer. You've seen him, you know, the two goals against against Reading in the FA Cup. And, and you know, really good goals he scored. Uh, the, header at, the header at Chelsea. The, in the World Cup, he was scoring scoring goals he's a technically gifted footballer yes he didn't have to do it at Real Madrid 
because he had Modric and Cruz in front of him. He doesn't have that at Manchester United. So he's taking on that mantle now of showing that I have this in my locker as well. And, you know, you make, people were saying we over, overpaid 60, 70 million. I think he's worth every single penny and more. I think he's actually a steal. And if he brings in some silverware within this team, he's done his job. And I'm really thankful that we didn't get De Jong and we didn't get Rabiot. Oh, and thank God. Managed, I'm glad we didn't get Rabiot. They, they managed to pull this out of the bag. So for me, it has to be Casemiro. And I, I say it again, for me, he's the best midfielder in the world. Nicely done. Salim, you joined just in time to hear someone who didn't say Bubakar Kamara is the best midfielder in the Premier League. So <laughs> you've got for someone. Salim, meet double A, double A, meet Salim. Salim's our boyhood Aston Villa fan who loves talking about football kits as well. So we'll get to that later in the podcast. Kamara was second, by the way, just so you know. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> we, weren't talking about, we weren't talking about John McGinn, but Kamara always gets my ratings. Fantastic player he is for Aston Villa um, as well. Player. Salim, you joined just in time for our Serie A five-a-side draft as well. So obviously, Salim, you know the rules. I'll explain it to our listeners and to AA as well. Um, literally, it is one pick per person. We are going for one club per person and we are going for literally just, yeah, goalkeeper, defender, midfielder, attacker, who you ever want to go for. But we're going for the players that I think have been fantastic this season in the Serie A because we, so, we were going to speak about Napoli, but we'll join in into this one as well because I think Napoli beating Frankfurt yesterday fantastic highlights I can say I can't say I watched the game because I watched the Ramadry game but the highlights I saw from the game was absolutely fantastic and Serie A deserves its praise for coming back into the limelight as well it's overtaken La Liga in my personal opinion I've been a much more enjoyable league to watch from what I've seen recently as well the players the quality on show especially with Salim you know we've been talking about Napoli for ages as well and potentially looking at a trip to Italy sometime soon to potentially watch them which would be absolutely fantastic but um, guys let's hear your five sides let's start with I'm not going to start with you Salim you're always first double A it starts like this so you get to pick whoever you want as a wild card then you get to go from goalkeeper defender midfielder attacker so I'll let you start first so you can only pick one player per club and you can't pick the same player as someone else so, double A, start us off. If you could pick one player from the Serie A this season for your five-a-side, who would it be and why? I almost feel guilty that you've let me go first because I think it's quite obvious. <laughs> the first person I'm going to pick, and I hope he ends up at Manchester United because, for me, he's going to be the next big striker in the world. He's, he's, he just gets better and better. His finish on, on the weekend was 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 disgusting in that it was just... Well, that's, it's yeah, obviously got an Inter Milan kid behind I thought it was an Inter Milan kit. You were going to lead up for Romelu Lukaku. I'm not. He, he can never. T- he can never return to Old Trafford. No. I, I think you talking about Serie A. So I pulled the Serie A shit out. Um, what season is that one? That is, uh, ten eleven. I think it's after they won the treble. That one. The home oh, shirt. Nice. After they won the treble. Yeah. It's got the uh, the patch on the sleeve. I don't know if you can see that from when they won it. So authentic. Um, yeah. I'm going to have to go for Oshman. I'm sorry, guys. I know it's a, it might be a bit of a standard pick, but uh, is it, the, the kid's are unbelievable. And I, I, he's well worth the 80 to, or 120 million that we may have to pay for him. I think he has to be the man we go for. A lot of talk of Kane, but Oshman for me, he's just, you know, a lot. Him and Rashford now, you're talking about the two the two best attacking players in, in world football for me. I think. Ooh. That's a claim. Better than Vinny, better than Vinny Junior, better than Haaland. Yeah. Better than Mbappe as well. Yeah. On current form at this moment, for me, I know Vinny Junior had a a great game last night, Mm. but I think 
you know, you, you said it yourself. Those, those they're the two best leagues in Europe for me. I think in terms of quality and strength. You know, I was talking to someone uh, today actually about Serie A. I was saying if if Napoli win the league this season, that's four different winners in the last four seasons. Yeah, Juve, Juve Inter, AC, Milan, and yeah. Napoli. Mm. No, no other league in Europe is doing that. Not even the Premier League. So you have to give them the props. And I think at the moment it, it looks like he's scoring every single game, much like Rashford. So I think. For me, them two on form at the moment are definitely the best two attacking players in the world. And I would love to see him at Manchester United in, in the summer and I hope that can happen. But yeah, I have to pick Oshman because as a wild card and, and I, I, it just stops you two getting him as well, to be fair. I wish he's good. Jammy guy. <laughs> Normally it's Salem being the jammy guy getting the picks. But uh, Salem, on my days, I'll let you go second as well. So if you do want to go for another unnamed Napoli player, um, obviously you've got the choice to. But choice is yours, Salem. Who are we going for, man? Yeah, so I'll go for K-Squared after I uh, obviously... Say his name! Say his name for the love of God, (laughs) say his name. We taught you last week how to say his name. It's Kavicha Kavaritz-Taylor. Yes, that's how we do it. Yeah. Oh, my days. I mean, we've been mentioning him quite a while. Ham's found him on quite early on and, you know, he's been great. Like, the thing is, I've just been watching him and... You know, him and Ossiman, those two players that, you know, the player you mentioned as well, like, I feel like they're definitely going to win Serie A. And I feel like they're one of my picks for winning the Champions League too, the way that they've been going on. So it's going to be interesting to see how they do, like, you know, later stages. 18 points clear at the moment, Napoli as well. And obviously with that two-goal lead against Frankfurt as well, anyone in Europe would be fearing Napoli at this moment in the Champions League. And I do hope they end up getting someone who I think they could probably get past as well. And I think, Salim, we were speaking last week or probably just on WhatsApp as well about a lot of the underdogs in the Champions League this season, the likes of Club Bruges, Benfica, Napoli getting through to the next round as well, Inter Milan, AC Milan as well. There's lots of opportunities there for someone to, you know, one of those streets will never forget type runs like Monaco 2017 or you're looking at uh, Borussia Dortmund 2013 even as well getting to the final that's that's always the case and I think Napoli will definitely be one of those folklore type Champions League teams I think which will be yeah I feel like well. for, for Napoli the main thing is to keep this squad together like it, you've seen it so many times where you get a team like you know you mentioned Monaco um, I'm trying to think of like other ones that's it's happened before where you know they've, they've won like something and then the players have just you know, completely disbanded and gone and it, you know, it'd be it'd be amazing if they could potentially just keep. Them. I know that doesn't work for you, Double but if they could just keep the lads in for even like three years or four years, and you know, try and get a couple of trophies together. But like you said, that Serie A, you know, a lot of people kind of thought it was dead and buried with Juve winning what was it nine in a row or something, yeah. and now the way that it's bounced back, you know, they're saying four different winners in four seasons. It's probably like the only non-farmer league left in the you know European leagues, you could say. I think that's a, that's a clippable post as well, having that as a non-farmer league sound. That's a nice quote there because literally, like you both said, it's something where you've got a lot more variety as well. Yeah. In a way, you look forward to watching the highlights or going on and watching the Sunday evening um, games as well live, which is great to see. And I think it's absolutely, it's, it's such a joy to watch Serie A this season. And there's some lethal strikers and lethal attackers out in Italy right now as well. So unlike on my career mode, um, if I was to go for someone from Serie A for my wildcard pick, can't go for Oshman now, can I? I'm not going to go for Lautaro Martinez because I don't think he's worth a wildcard pick. If I had to pick someone, I will go for... Again, he's not had the best of seasons, but I know because I've seen this guy live, he is going to be a superstar one day. I will have to go for um, Federico Chiesa. 
think Chiesa has been an absolute joy of a player over the years as well. Salim, you and I, we raved about him mm. during the Euros in 2021 as well. Um, he's someone who I think is going to have to leave in, uh, leave Juventus sorry, for bigger and better things after their points deduction, after their controversy that they've had as well. And again, after his injuries as well, I think he can be playing at the very top. I think if we were to have gone for someone as a winger besides Anthony last summer, I think Federico Chiesa, if he was fit, would have been a fantastic signing for Manchester United. And I'm quite worried that Chelsea may end up trying to nab him as well if they end up sign- selling a few of their players as well. But Federico Chiesa is definitely my wildcard pick. And I just kind of wanted to know from you as well, can you see Juventus kind of survive in this points deduction as well? Uh, double A, let's start with you. Do you think they can actually survive it or do you think you know, from I mean, they, they survive worse, haven't they? You know, mm. talk about uh, a few years back when they got relegated. Um, I just think it's something that Juventus do, but they're, they're kind of the darlings of Italian football, so they'd always find a way of uh, of getting out of it, as as wrong as that may be, you know, and it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a sticky one because, you know, they've brought so much, they've got so much history, they've brought so much joy to Champions League. I remember those amazing clashes with Manchester United in the late 90s, uh, um, you know, not so much in recent past, but I think, yeah, I just, I just can't see them, them getting anything really bad happening to them, I, I guess. I say they've been through worse. I just think, mm. when, when are they going to wake up and, and, and get their nose clean? Because, like I say, you know, it, it, the, the Manchester United of, of Italian football. So, you can't imagine if United were, were, were doing such things, really, for me. So, I think I think they'll be okay. It's just, you know, how many players have they got that we could try and nick off them, I guess. Other than Rabiot, of course. Just not Paul Pogba as well. I don't want PP Never number Paul six Pogba. back. We no, don't need him back. Paul Pogba. We don't need him Definitely. dabbing. Ever since he left, we've been perfectly fine. So, we don't oh, need amazing. PP as well. No chance, it's- no chance. Rabio Villa Salem, that could be a summer signing. You never know. <laughs> nah, wouldn't go for him. Would you go for Weston McKenney after his loan to Leeds? See, he, he does look good and we've been linked with him for the last three windows, but nah, I think that ship sail is probably going to be Gwendouzi, isn't it? Yeah, I think Gwendouzi would be decent for Villa as well. Yeah. Decent World Cup as well. Right, back to the front. Uh, Salem, let's go for you. Who's your goalkeeper um, in this Serie A 5 side? Oof. I'm going to go for... I'm probably gonna have to go. For, I don't want to go for him, but Mike Menon. Mike Menon, you're using your AC Milan pick on your I know goalkeeper. that's the problem. That's the problem. <laughs> but you know what? Like I've seen him. You know what? I've seen a lot of him in Ultimate Team, if anything, and his his OP, as it's called. So yeah, I have to lose my AC Milan pick on that one. Nah, that's fair enough. I think Mike Menon as well will be the future number one for the uh, for France national side as well. I think it was someone that I think before moving to. Uh, AC Milan Man United should have again this is a concept of our podcast of where they could go to as well but if Man United were looking to replace a keeper Mike Menon would be someone at the top of this I think would be a pretty good player to go for as well but with Italy as well and with the way that they're moving they're moving like the rest of Europe as well in terms of having keepers play out from the back as well there's quite a there's quite a good quality of uh, keepers out there as well in, in Syria which would be good fun to see um, as well, so Mike Menon, great shot there, Salem. But I'm glad you use your AC Milan choice because I could I could save that one uh, for later on for me as well. Double A, let's go with you. Who's your goalkeeping choice for Syria? Uh, so I remember last time I did this, we did the Manchester United one with mm. with uh, Mark. Yeah. 
And I was the only one that picked a goalkeeper. So I don't think I'm going to pick a goalkeeper this time. I think you I'm ha- just going to... You have to. It. It's the rules. It's actually... Oh, you've rules. changed it now. We've legally changed it. It's in the oh, terms of conditions. Oh, I see. Salim kept beating me on, on the poll. So I'm like, I need to find a way to get back on these things. So rather Salim or the guests would keep beating me. And I'm like, nah, if everyone has a goalkeeper, then I think we'll be okay with it. Oh, right. Oh, you've, you've tied my hands there a little bit. I'm not really happy about that. Um... I need a level playing field here. Maybe they just don't like the host. That's fine. Um, Do you know what? I think he's a steady goalkeeper. Did well in the Premier League. Good um, international keeper. Maroma pick. Mm. It'll have to be Rui Patricio, I think. I think he's a solid goalkeeper to have in a five-a-side. Solid choice as well. I mean, you've... You've taken you've taken someone who I think has a very, had a very good career as well working yeah. under Jose Mourinho uh, at the moment. It's fantastic to really see how he is doing at the same yeah, time. So you've got Rui Patricio, you've got Mike Maignan, uh for Salim. I think I'm going to have to go for my Juventus choice and go for Wojciech Szczesny, kind of who I thought you were going to go for as well. A top international player, done really well in the Premier League as well, um, at Arsenal respectively. And I thought it would have been a fantastic player to put into this um, five-side side for me. So yeah, Wojciech Szczesny is my goalkeeper. Double A, go back to you for your defender. So again, you can play, pick centre-back, full-back, whoever you want. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the next one, I think, you know, really happy he's not been picked so far because I think he is a great young player. Should have been at the World Cup for me. You know, one Serie A, uh, really bad mistake from Gareth Southgate not to take him to the World Cup. I think mm. he could be one of the best centre-backs. Uh, it has to be Tomori for me. I think he's an unbelievable yeah. player. Chel, you know, Chelsea are spending so much money on centre-backs. They really had a gem there. They really should have looked. I'll never get that with Chelsea or with Chelsea fans as well. And we see it all the time. They'll always back the manager or the, or the ownership for getting rid of these young players. And two, three yeah. seasons later, they're on top of the world. And you're just kind of there like you had him. Work with Absolutely. him for a bit. If he makes a mistake against Everton and you're losing 3-2 or something like that to them, it's not the end of the world. But with That's Chelsea, awesome. it's always like the end of the world. So they have to get rid of him straight away. Yeah, they'll, they'll go They'll go and get Koulibaly or do the same thing or make mistakes at Leeds and that's absolutely fine. So it doesn't make any sense, you know what I mean? But yeah, tomorrow for me, I think he's an unbelievable uh, player. I think, like I say, he, I love it when when English players or British players go abroad and, and, are, and are success and, and they're taking in that culture. And he... For me, I've not heard any signs of him wanting to come back to the Premier League, which is great. Uh, you know, a lot like a lot like Bellingham, and, and from yeah. what I'm led to believe with Bellingham is he doesn't want to come back to the Premier League or come to the Premier League until 25, 26, when he's in his peak years, which I fully, I fully get on board with. Why not? You know, why not go and go and taste different different continents, different countries, different leagues, and see what it's all about. The Premier League's always going to be here, probably always going to be the strongest league in the world so yeah go go and take in a bit of culture come back and and see where you are so for Tamori I think you know and he's probably at one of the best clubs for me in Europe you know the, the history and the stadium the fans the way Maldini's yeah. been developing these young players these young yeah. proper players coming forward has been at the forefront of it all which has been amazing it's, it's brilliant yeah you know so yeah I, I'm really excited to see what the future holds for him I hope he does come to the Premier League and Again, Manchester United need a centre back. I'm happy to take him any day. But for now, Tamori definitely, definitely in my in my uh, five side, mate, as my defender. Yeah. Nicely done, Salim. One question for you on Tamori: Does Tamori make it in the next England squad for the Euros? You reckon he's better than Eric Dyer, Connor Cody, Harry Maguire, all these kind of guys? What do you think? 
Well, I mean, it's a bit easy to answer that. He's definitely better than these guys. I feel like even Chris Smalling was a bit unlucky to not be in any conversation, unless he's retired and I'm not, and I don't know about. But I feel like he's been quite good uh, out there. Um, I feel like obviously we've mentioned before Southgate sort of went against his, you know, sort of his own promise that he made that he picked players on form, not on rep. You know, he went completely against that. So. I'm more excited to see who the next England manager is and how he refreshes this squad because he's got probably one of the best, you know, like talent, well, probably one of the best talent pools I've ever seen. And he's probably got the best England team of any sort of, you know, pretty much any generation, like, you know, besides 66 when they won it, you could say. But in recent times, definitely. I'd say this team's probably better than, you know, the team we had back in 06. Definitely. Salim, who are you going for as your defensive choice? Fullback, centre back? Where are we going? See, that's the thing now. For centre-back, like, I would have loved to have put in Dilit mm. from um, Juventus, but obviously he joined Bayern. He would have been my standout choice. Um, but, you know, he's not there anymore. And you know, Juventus got, they've got Bremer now. I think they've got uh, yeah, Bremer, still as well. Sandro and... But I'm, I'm going to go for Locatelli. Ooh, you're going for a That's midfielder. In yeah, a... he can sit, I think. He'd be a good shout. Double A, do we allow this or not allow this? Well, he's like over six foot defensive mid. I'm sure fine. you can put Weghorst at the back of a Premier League five side with that logic. <laughs> yeah, yeah you could do it. No one's stopping you. It's true. And a rule, I mean, and I mean, and a, and a rule, and a rule stopping you though. That's that's the question. You, the rules are going to be him or Bremer, isn't it? The rules are stopping you. I'll take Bremer. I'll take Bremer. That's fine. Go on. I, I need I need a dub. Some some sometime on social media I need a dub. I might start creating like 10 accounts um to win these polls, man. Oh my days. Um defensive wise, I'm gonna go for my Napoli choice and I'm gonna go for Kim Min Jay, who's just come out of nowhere, just like Kavar Skelia, just kind of like uh Zielinski as well, I would say from Napoli respectively. Mm. Uh, it's been an absolute joy of a center back to watch as well. And he just bring he brought the ferocity at the World Cup. Uh, for South Korea as well and you don't really see that in South Korean players and I thought it was a joy um, to see something refreshing like that from Kim Min Jae as well so he's definitely going to be my choice for defensive player I mean last week on our, on our Champions League one I picked Theo Hernandez but I need that AC Milan attacking player in, in, in this team for me as well um, which is good fun so that's Kim Min Jae that's Bremer and then we've got Tomori as well Salim take us through your midfield who are we going for? So I've already got Kavicha there. So my next bet is going to be another attacking, attack-minded one. And he's a player I used to rate a lot. And I thought he would have come to the Premier League, but he didn't. I thought he was going to come to United, actually. And it's Dybala. He's somebody that I really enjoyed watching at Juve, especially before Ronaldo joined. Mm. And, you know, he's, Do you just, have a Dybala shirt as well? Do you have a Dybala yeah, yeah, I had one, actually. I had a, a Dybala Juventus shirt as well. That's true. But yeah, he's somebody so. I, I really enjoyed watching him play just for his his style, really. And I, I really thought he'd join United that one time, but you know he didn't. He didn't obviously come through. But yeah, he's you know another great player, and he's you know he's at Roma and sort of the main man there now again. And it's interesting to see how he's worked under Mourinho. I think that was it. Mourinho just wanted Dybala on his side and is working in and out. Of it, his it was side. such a shock though, you know, for him to leave Juventus to go to Roma on a free believe. transfer as well. Yeah, on a free, I, I can believe it. You know, and they got him and they even got Belotti and that was another one. Which th- those two really shocked me, you know, going there. I don't know, people that were Serie A might have found it as something that wasn't a shock. But for me, somebody from, you know, the outside, really, quite a big shock. Yeah, definitely. But no, Dybala, great choice there as well. 
Um, linking up with Tammy Abraham with Bellotti as well in the side with Pellegrini as well in the midfield he's been the only thing is actually just to cut you sorry was mm-hmm. I wish I saw more of him in the World Cup I know he came on like a little bit sporadically but he didn't really play enough for me I, I just wish he was you know his fitness was a bit better and he could have actually I know they won it and stuff so it, it he stopped some back hate in that final minute of the World Cup final yeah, yeah, that, from that amazing solo goal as well so he made a contribution but a very lacking contribution as well for Argentina but one, one, one major contribution as well, which is great. Oh, so you've used your Roma choice and you stole my Roma choice. Oh, my days. I was waiting for Dybala. So nicely done there, Salah. He's got the mind games going. Go on, Double Who have you got in your midfield? So I'm going to go a player I, I, I love, uh, one of my favourite players in Serie A uh, as a midfielder. I think he's he's outstanding. Could play for most most big teams in Europe for sure. Uh, plays for Inter Milan. Um, I'm gonna have to go for Nicolo Barella. I think. I just you, you bastards, you, you pair of, <laughs> you stole my first choice, Salah, man. You stole my second choice, Dublin. Oh my days, Barella was the guy I should have picked for my wild card, but I think so. I, I can't believe I can't believe he's lasted this long. To be honest mm. with you, and I'm I'm so happy that I've managed to get him. I think you know. I, I think I'm having all my first picks. I've 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 wanted. I've got so far, and I think. I'm happy with that. I think, yeah, I think he's an unbelievable player. Great midfielder. Uh, I think you saw in the Euros how important he was for Italy. And it's a shame he didn't get to play at the World Cup. Um, just gone. But, you know, we'll, we'll see uh, how, he, how he progresses. You know, I think Inter, although second, um, you know, everyone's chasing Napoli. You know, But I think he's still a major, major player for that team. And I'm happy to have him in, in my ranks for sure, mate. I mean, you would be very happy with a player like that. I keep thinking he's young, but he's like 25, 26 now, and he's done yeah. so well um, with his career at Inter Milan going forward as well. There was a time where, um, I mean, not there was a time, I went to watch Inter Milan this season, and he wasn't even starting, which was the worst thing. And I was like, it's their best attacking midfielder, not even playing against this Bayern Munich side. And I was just like, you know what? I need to see more of Nicola Barella. And it's yeah. such a, it's one of those where, I think you guys probably see it as well. When you see Italian centre midfielders, they don't get the hype that they do um, straight off the bat it's the kind of like Perlo it took a bit of time for him to get a bit of hype from him Barello a bit of time for him to get hype on as well so yeah. there's there's still got some young players coming through in Italy I think it's going to be very good Sandro Tonali is a good uh, player I think is a fantastic young player for it, uh, for AC Milan and for Italy as well which would be good right how are we going to do this one I've got my I've got a winger so I'm going to I'm going to go for another winger and I'm making sure that I'm stealing this one I've got no centre midfielder for this one so it's going to be a winger Rafael Liao AC Milan choice I mean I've, I've spoken about him this season and it's it's surprising how people aren't catching on to some of these Serie A superstars coming out of them as well. Because in a world where we've got so much technology, so much way of in- accessing different teams and different players, if you're if you're sleeping on Rafael Leal this season, you're sleeping on some talented players that have played the game of football in Serie A. Last couple of seasons, he's been fantastic. He's getting into the starting lineup consistently now for Portugal after the World Cup. I would hope to see that happen as well. But realistically speaking, Rafael Leal has been a fantastic player over the years for AC Milan. And there are rumours of him potentially leaving AC Milan, not really happy with his contract. Um, but I think it's just, it's just what actually brought AC Milan on the map. And he was a big uh, factor in AC Milan winning the league uh, last season as well, with his goals and with his assists. And with his presence really as well, which is good fun. So I couldn't go for my centre mid, so I had to go for two wingers. I had to improvise there with Rafael Leal. <laughs> 
everyone's final pick so you can go wherever you want in this which is absolutely fine uh salem let's go with you you can't pick victor oshimen obviously you can't pick Havar. No, no. i've got another choice um so this play is somebody that again played in the world cup for argentina it's lautaro martinez um mm. a player that i actually do rate highly again but he sort of disappointed me a bit in the world cup i know he scored his penalty in the shootout um, but again, he saw it was quite disappointing. I felt like he could have done more. He should have scored a couple in the final as well. He just didn't. He just didn't look up to scratch. You know, for somebody that's you know bagged so many goals and he's so clinical, he's another one that I've had in football manager, and um, he's been amazing there too. So like, yeah, he, he's he's my pick for striker. You know, when when Icardi left, especially at Inter, he was such a key player, and people were thinking you know, how they're going to replace him. You know, with all the problems he had, he was the captain and everything. And I felt like Lautaro really grew into the role, and you know, he they won the title. There was him and Lukaku up top, and it was part of a good system there. Um, yeah, still somebody that I really rate highly and, you know, I hope he bounces back, you know, from that World Cup and, you know, keeps scoring goals. You mean bouncing back from winning the World Cup and being a squad player in the knockout round? Well, yeah. I mean, it, like, it, it, him and Dybala got away with it, so it's absolutely fine, I would say. I think it'd be Yeah, fun. but the thing is, like, for example, if Argentina were to lose that final, I know they won it, mm. that, it would have come to him and he's too, like, you know, clear-cut chance that he missed you know the amount of XG on them like you know he missed this like a header from like a yard that like, you know he'd bury these with his eyes closed normally so I don't know what got to him but he scored a penalty along the way which you know always helps as you can just say it's easy to score penalties but you've seen what happens in shootouts unfortunately for us Harry Kane missed the penalty as well unfortunately for double a Brazil fan um, he suffered the heartache of penalty shootouts against Croatia as well which weren't great um, but no, solid choice. Lautaro Martinez is someone I definitely had on my list, so I'm going to have to think outside the box for this one as well. Uh, Dublin, are we going attacking or defensive for your final choice? Uh, I'm going to go for someone who can sort of play anywhere across the front four positions, but obviously I'm going to have him as sort of a winger. Adam uh, Lookman. That's exactly who I'm going for. <laughs> How did you know that? <laughs> He's just had a sick season for Atlanta this season. So I thought, you know what? Oh. It's not going to be Felipe Anderson. It's not going to be Rebic. It's going to be oh. Adam Ola-Lukman. Abs- bro, absolutely. Like, I'm just looking, you know, I, I know he's playing well for Atlanta. I've seen a couple of Atlanta games this season, but I was just checking his overall stat. You know, 22 games, he's got 16 goal, goal involvements, 12, 12, 12 goals, 44 assists. You know, he's 25 now. Um, I think he's having. I think he's having an outstanding season. I think he complements uh, my team between sort of Osherman and uh, Barella. You know, Osherman linking up Nigeria teammate. I think. I think he's the perfect uh, final player for my 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 five really. And all first choices. I've had my five first choices, mate. So I'm very very happy with that. And I think he's. You know, one of them struggled in the prem uh, when he's been over, um, but he's really found his feet. In, in Serie A so and I think ev- everyone likes Atalanta don't they I think everyone's kind of like little team they look out for just because they play mm. great football I remember the, them games against United and it looked really really good um, no I, I'm I'm a fan and I'm, I'm I'm glad no one's picked him and he's yeah he's finishing off my team I'm very happy nicely done I'm glad we've got some Atalanta representation besides myself I mean Salim did take Lautaro Martinez so I can't go for I'm not going to go for Lukaku I do like Lukaku I know contrary to a lot of opinion I've always liked Romelu Lukaku for what he does is a, is a fantastic striker but for everyone else who doesn't want to play um, to his game basically any manager besides Antonio Conte and Jose Mourinho 
that don't play his game, it doesn't suit his style of play. That's absolutely fine um, as well. So shout out to Romelu Lukaku. But I'm going to go for another Atalanta player who I think has taken Atlanta by storm. And like Salim said, I did predict the rise of Kovic Kavatskelia two years before he played for Napoli. So I'm going to predict the rise of another Atlanta superstar coming up as well. Rasmus Hoyland from Denmark. Six goals, one assist this season as well. I think he joined in January. He's one of the reasons why Atlanta are starting up so far as well, which is one of the things why I'm enjoying watching Serie A this season because it's not just the top sides. It's not just number one, number two as well. It will be a few of them in terms of how well Atlanta do in terms of their, with their re, re, rebirth as well. Gasparini's just been doing fantastic with them as well. You're looking at how well uh, this new... I think what a lot of people in Serie A are doing now, they're following that AC Milan style of play, style of model, model that business model, I should say, as well. Buying so many young players, scouting really, really well, and they know for a fact they're going to end up selling them for a pretty penny across Europe as well. And it's worked so well for AC Milan. It's going to work well for Napoli. It will probably work well for Atalanta as well. And I know for a fact I don't know about Atalanta player as well uh, in this in my team as well. So everyone needs to watch out for Rasmus Hoyland, the new Danish international, who's been dubbed the next Erling Haaland. But I think if Man United get onto him, and I think if Erling Haaland does continue the way that he does as well, a lot more strikers will kind of copy his way of playing. Benjamin Sesko is another one outside of Italy. And I think Hoyland from Denmark will be another one um, to look out for as well, which will be pretty good. So everyone, just go through your teams one more time so I can type that in the chat so I know who's going to have the best team. I think this time it could be me, but Salim, go through your team again for us. Who have you got? Mike Mignon in net. Yep. Bremer in defence. Mm. Dybala and Kavicia on each side. Dabala. And... Lautaro up front. That's a solid side. That's a solid side. That's, that's a solid side. I can't even lie. Double A, break my heart again with all the players that you picked that I should have picked. <laughs> yeah, so uh, my keeper was Rui Patrizio mm-hmm. uh, from Roma. And then I had uh, Tamori from Milan. Yep. And then I had Nicolo Barella from Inter. My guy. And then I went for Adimola uh, Adi, Lutman. Um, from Atalanta and finally the big boy Osherman from Napoli Osherman is the guy I think he's going to score more than 30 goals this season I think he's just got that in him as well we don't really see that in Syria anymore that's why people are so obsessed with Victor Osherman this season which is absolutely fantastic so uh, in my in my team who did I have I went for Wojciech Szczesny so I went for Szczesny I can't even spell it Szczesny what name to try and smell we're going to go for, at the back, we went for Kim Min Jae, who I think is the underrated hero for Napoli right now yeah. uh, in the season as well. We're going to go for Rafael Liao on our left, on our right. Who did we go for? We went for Chiesa on the right as well. <gasps> no! Can't go for Chiesa, can I? Or, no. You know what? No, I can't, can't go for... I can't, I've picked two Juventus players because Chiesa oh, yeah. moved, hasn't he, from Fiorentina. I've broken my own rule. Okay, uh, no. let's let's change it for a non disqualified. Surely, I'm DQ. I'm DQ. <laughs> I'm minus ten points on this one. Uh, I'm changing my goalkeeper to Anana then. Anana instead of Shezdi. Uh I forgot he's my wild card. And then up front, um, who do I go forward for? Hoyland. Just a quick one. Um, yeah. It's quite nice to see these players that you know didn't do too well in the Premier League or didn't live up to their full like potential, like really killing it out in Serie A, like. You know, imagine for like a footballer that trains every day and wants to be like the best version of themselves and 
not like exactly failing, but not living up to the billing and then, you know, getting booed by fans or saying they're, you know, poor player, waste of money, this kind of thing. And then going out to, you know, another league, you know, new surroundings, different culture and performing, you know, like Ad- Adimola Lukman, he's come, come up quite a long way from there. And Lukaku is obviously a funny one where he was quite good the other season and then he wasn't that good. But yeah, he's, he's quite nice to see these players bounce back, like Felipe Anderson as well. He's another one. Matteo Damian. Matteo Damian, Damian yeah. is that guy. <laughs> well, look at Ashley Young. Ashley Young went there and won a title yeah. as well. He grew his Ericsson, hair back as well. Ericsson, Ericsson went there, won a title. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I agree. You know, it's nice It's nice that these players know there's life outside the Premier League, although it is the, the league to be in. You can go and have a very good career in, in the rest of Europe. And like, you know, having the same before. Uh, for me, it, it, Serie A is the best league outside the Premier League now. It offers the most choice. It's the strongest league. Uh, although, you know, uh, the Bundesliga is looking this season like it's a bit tighter at the top, which is nice. But yeah, like I, I fully agree. It's, it, you know, these players that haven't quite cut it in the Premier League going and having solid careers in Europe is, uh, yeah, it's good, you know, it's good to see. And that's yeah. the other three, three English players as well that we could mention in there with Tamori, Tammy and Smalling. Another three that, you know, they were thinking that it wasn't really working out and the way they bounced back. The only thing is like, I feel like these players don't get the amount of clout that they probably deserve is because they're not playing in the Premier League. You know, Smalling performing like that in the Premier League, you know, people be raving about it every week, you know. And it's the same with Tammy, you know. I mean, he's not been that good this season. You know, there's talk of him joining Villa at the end of the season, but Tamori was one, like, he should have definitely been starting in that World Cup. Yeah, sure. Gareth Southgate needs to do some scouting out in Italy as well. <laughs> he definitely needs to go. If I mean, if he's getting Bellingham in and not even going out to Dortmund to see, he should be bringing Tamori into the squad, yeah, which right. is outrageous um, as well. Yeah. Right, Double just to finish off your part on this podcast as well, uh, I did have a challenge for you and Salim and I will join you on this challenge as well. And for everyone listening, we are going to rank the best five Champions League final winners shirts. So obviously Double has a channel called Talking Kit. Um, obviously he's got a show that he does every week, twice a week now, which is fantastic. So we want to be a part of that. So we, we're going to have our own little segment on kits this week on Friday Night Counterattack. So Salman and I will have to think of kits as well as you, but obviously we'll try and make a, a joint top five that would be suitable and respectable that you would gladly show on your channel as well. So from all the Champions League winners, I'd say from the last, let's say last 20 years, Salim, no, let's say from, actually let's do from 2000, just for the sake of it. And I'm talking oh, winners, I'm, I'm not talking losing finalists or anything like that. Of any of them that come to mind, and obviously I have to do a bit of research as well, which Champions League kits do you think makes this list? I'm going to start with one. I'm going to go for Barcelona 2006. I think that has an iconic feel about it as well. The first time they won the Champions League in God knows how long as well, probably since the early 90s. Yeah, 1992. That was when you had the likes of Ronaldinho, Samuel Eto'o, Henrik Larsson, a young, you know, Messi number 30 in there as well. I'm going to throw that one in the list as well. We don't have to confirm it just yet, but that's one of my choices that I have. Double you're the kit master. Who are we going for? Actually, you're technically not. That's that's a trademark. I can't say that because someone else called Kitmaster. So you're the you're the person who knows about kits. I'm, I'm, I'm the king of the I'm the king of the kit heads. That's what I call myself. Um, Need a crown with it. Yeah, I do. I do. See, the thing is, I actually wrote a list of five down, and only one of them is post 2000. So I'm absolutely screwed now. So thanks for that hand. You threw that one in last minute. I actually did go for a Barcelona one though, mm. uh, but I went I went for 2009. The half okay. and half. Uh, the one in Rome beat Manchester United. And I think they'd had that um, previously in, I think it was 98, 99. 
Uh, they had a half and half, which was sort of centenary year. So I think it was a throwback to that, you know, 10 years after that kind of thing. And I think it, it, it was a great kit, you know, Messi out jumping every single Manchester United defender uh, and heading that goal and then kissing the boot was was not nice as a United fan, but an iconic moment. And I think that's an iconic kit. And I was up close and personal with it very very recently. Um, and it, it, it still holds up now for me. So Barcelona as well. But I just think it, it's, I love the T90 template as well from the one you've picked. But I just think this one's just a little bit, a little bit different for mm. me and stands out a bit more. Salim enjoyed that moment as well because he's a very yeah, anti Man United yeah. fan as well. So he enjoyed that pay partnership from Messi kissing the boot as well, uh, which is the thing. <laughs> Salim, have you got any in mind? Because I know for a fact you, you spoke about one, not in this kind of topic, but you spoke about how iconic this kit was once upon a time. And it was a Real Madrid one, uh, which they wore in Cardiff. I don't think I'll be able to name five, but the 2016 Real Madrid kit, I've just looked it up. That one that one looks quite nice. That was quite iconic for me. And that's one that I, I owned as well, like a Ronaldo. I used to technically just buy, not technically, I used to buy a Ronaldo shirt every season. Just like until, until we until we came back to Man United. Yeah, basically until he came back to Man United. So that's the thing. People think that, you know, so this like Messi fan all this time, but I was a bigger Ronaldo fan, but I can admit that Messi is a better player. As much as I enjoy watching both play. No, that's fair enough. That's absolutely fine. <laughs> I was going to go for, and this is just me as well, I was going to go for the... Yeah, so wait, Salem, did you say the home kit that they won in 2016 against Atletico? Or the Cardiff one where they wore purple? I was going to mute for a second. I think it said too fast. It wasn't the purple one. It was, it was the, the white one. The white one, the home one, yeah. Okay, it I'm going like to go... It grey. It's just all white kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Atletico one at the San Siro. I'm going to have to go for, this is this is an odd one for me, but I'm going to go for the Inter Milan one, 2010. I quite like that one. Yeah. When they won against uh, Bayern Munich in the final at the Bernabeu as well, I thought it was quite an enjoyable kit to to see as well. And it was a quintessential, um, it was a quintessential part of the uh, Inter Milan's history as well. And that kit will always be one of the most iconic ones because if you ever do get the chance, if anyone's listening, and if you double as well get the chance to go to watch an Inter Milan game as well, that's the predominant kit that you will see. You'll see a retro one from the 90s, which they sell in the club shop, but you'll see that predominantly, um, that one as well with the badge in the middle as well, uh, which is a good one to go for as well. So I'll, I'll pop that one into there as well, which would be good fun. Right, so I did challenge you again, obviously post, because well, obviously the 90s had better fashion, so it's just very yeah, easy. Yeah, yeah. No. That's the thing. It's all good. It's all Even good. the 99 uh, one for Man United was iconic as well. Yeah. Shocked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just uh, the Inter one was going to be my next one. And I think, I don't I don't have an Italian team, but if you had to pick one, it would be Inter. I just think that the black and the black and blue stripes, there's, there's just something mesmerising about him. And that kit is absolutely right. It just looks like an Inter kit. Could be any Inter kit, but, you know, with them great moments in it, it adds a little bit something extra to the kit. So, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that and it, it's a good choice to have. Um, going on from there, it's a tricky one, you know. And I think I'd be stupid not to put 2008 United one in there. But the thing is, as a kit collector, it's a horrible shirt to own because yeah. those stripes at the back just peel and, and many United fans will tell you or kit collectors will tell you them them stripes at the back come off all the time. So I'm not actually going to put it in. I'm going to take it back. I'm not putting that in. Let's go for a lovely... Let's go for AC Milan. Let's go AC Milan 2007 when they beat... Uh, Liverpool. Liverpool. Yeah, that white... Uh, a white AC Milan kit is nice. Yes, they are the red, red trim. Under. 
yeah, very, very nice uh, kit, that one. So, yeah, I'm going to go for that one. I think that deserves to be up there. Uh, a little bit different and, and like an away kit. So, yeah, that one for me, for sure. It's been a while since the team's actually won the Champions League in an away kit. I think it was 2017, the last time actually someone who's wearing the away kit actually won, uh, which was crazy. It's about a odd feeling like that. Um, I, I, I like this theme of avoiding the English teams. I think we'll continue to avoid the English teams as well. So I think to throw it in, I'll give you two choices. Bayern Munich, rather 2020-2013, or Porto 2004, if you remember them. So the Jose Mourinho yeah. era, or the Jupp uh, Heynckes, or who's the other manager? I forgot the Dortmund, uh, the, the Bayern. Uh, Hansi Flick. Hansi Flick was a manager in 2020. Yeah. yeah. I, I would have said if you're going to pick a Bayern, the Bayern 2001 probably would be better. I think that's oh, classic, yeah. The Opal classic. one. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would be better for me. Mm. But if we were to pick any of them, like. Actually, you could, I'll, I'll go for that one. I just remember that. Sorry, that was, that was just me forgetting it. But yeah. Solid kid that was. Yeah, we, yeah, it was really nice. Hargreaves and Effenberg and these players. Mm. Nah, but I would say, I would have said Paul. Paul was very close to being on my list of five that I made, actually. Um, oh, really? Would have been sick. Yeah, I mean, I like that night template. It's Mourinho, they beat United on the way to the final. And, and, and it was two unfancied teams, Monaco and Porto. And I think it's, an, it's you know, it's, it's, it's the blue and white stripes, but it's got the red night tick. It stands out. And the collar as well. No, it's, it's a beautiful kit. And I, I, Porto are another team I really have sort of strong feelings for. I look out for them quite a lot by, got a couple of their shirts. So no, I, I, I would go for Porto out of those choices you gave for sure. Nicely done. So we've got one from Real Madrid, we've got one from Porto, one from Barcelona, one from Inter Milan, and the last one was AC Milan as well. So we've got a good variety there from uh, nice. post-2000 best Champions League winners kits, which is all good. Nice. All right, then, Double A. Um, this is the end of the podcast. Um, I just want to say thank you very much for your time today. It's been great to have you on and to speak with you as well. Uh, two things before I get um, you to leave. Not in a bad way, I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> one, your prediction for both... Thursday and Sunday, just a score prediction. And the second, where can everyone find you if they want to hear more from you and your amazing content? I appreciate that, mate. Thank you for having me on. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure, as always. And everyone listening, make sure you're following these guys, not only on the, the social, um, listening to the podcast, but make sure you're getting in the socials as well because Friday Night Car Attack do some amazing content. I'm a big, big fan, and it's always nice to be added, asked, and, and, and invited on to share sort of time with hands. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big, big fan. So keep doing what you're doing, bro. It's absolutely amazing. So, um, no, of course. Um, in terms of Thursday, it, it, we have to be we have to be strong favourites. We've got three amazing players coming back in Casemiro, Sabitza, and Martinez, and they're missing three big players. So I have to put United favourites. I want us to go and put that. I want us to start the game how we were in the second half against Leicester. Really put them to the sword. And and I'm you know what I'm gonna, I'm confident, mate. I'm going to go for a three 0 for that one I don't I don't really like doing score predictions because football is football you can never really gauge it but yeah let's go for a 3-0 on Thursday uh, Sunday again you know Karius in net what are we going to get are we going to get the Champions League final Karius or is he going to turn into to sort of prime Casillas and just absolutely save everything yeah. uh, which happens which happens against United quite a lot to be fair but I, I, it's I'm why we signed um, Lee Grant that once upon a time as well for his yeah, amazing game spoke yeah, uh, awful that, that one game, one game. That game was horrendous, mate. Um, I'm going to go for a 2-0 low on Sunday. I think United, again, just 
just just too strong. I think we're, we're catching them at the right time. That the, yep. they're kind of dipping, and we're really in the ascendancy in terms of, of form. So, yeah, I'm gonna go for a two nil as well on on Sunday and get that first trophy under Ten Hag belt, which I'm looking forward to. In terms of me, yeah, like I say, Mr. Talking Kit, my YouTube channel, Talking Kit. We're close to 500 subscribers, so I'd, I'd appreciate anyone going and subscribing and showing a bit of love. You know, we're really trying to grow as quick as possible. The end game for this year, set a little goal of trying to get to 1,000 subscribers. So if we can do that as quick as possible, that would be great. But yeah, like I say, we, we upload videos twice a week. We've got um, Desert Island Kits, which is moving from a Monday to a Sunday. So we sit down with a kit collector and ask them to pick five shirts from their uh, collection that they would take uh, or keep with them if they were stranded on a desert island. And then we also have Full Kit Rankers, which is our live show on a Wednesday. And we just sit down again with three other kit collectors and we rank shirts from different eras, teams. You know, we've done Ronaldo, we're doing MLS kits uh, on the latest episode. We've done all sorts and... Yeah, we invite people to come in and, and judge our rankings and say what they don't like as well. So we're very much a community-based channel. We love people coming in and getting involved. So yeah, check, check us on YouTube, Talking Kit. Uh, all the socials are at Talking Kit as well. So yeah, come come and get involved, become a kit head. And yeah, just uh, be involved with us. It's, it's all good fun. Absolute joy. Uh, thank you very much for your time as always, Double. It's been a pleasure. I'll leave all your descriptions as always below um, as well. Look forward to seeing you soon, hopefully. Um, at Old Trafford which will be great and everyone thank you very much for listening to our conversation today it's been great everyone thank you very much for listening and just to finalise this week's podcast and this week's busy week of recording we can't go out we can't go without talking about the Carabao Cup final without speaking to our favourite Newcastle fan from Pride Night Counter Attack from the Football Day podcast it's Football Day podcast it's Football Day isn't it Lewis it is it's Football Day yeah it is Football Day it is it's Football Day yeah but honestly I was like if there's any if there's ever a Newcastle fan I need to speak to it's Lewis from it's Football Day and as someone who I think you're probably going to be the only fan on Sunday if you do lose to Man United I will genuinely feel sorry for you (laughs) any other Newcastle fan I couldn't care less but because it's you you're a nice guy I'll happily message you uh, condolence uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to say anything like that it's, it's not <laughs> appreciate it though appreciate it I just jinxed it for Man United we're going to lose 3-0 to Man United, uh, to Newcastle Carrius masterclass coming up but Lewis it's been a while how have you been it's good to see you been good obviously I'm having one of the best seasons as a Newcastle fan um, I haven't felt this good about Newcastle since the days of like Ben Arthur Kabaya Papis Cisse Denver Bar which was what near, well just over 10 years ago now so yeah, it's it's a great feeling. Um, obviously, look, we're only halfway through the season, so there's still a long, long way to go. But I genuinely couldn't be happier with how this season has gone. You know, pushing for top four, our first final since 1999 is just unbelievable. I'm looking forward to this game against Newcastle as well. That's the whole point of kind of learning from your point of view as well, because we can sit here as casual fans of just the Premier League and think, oh yeah, this would be pretty good to see how Newcastle do over the next couple of weeks. But I think one thing before we get into the preview for the Carabao Cup final is how Newcastle haven't been in European competition this season. It's just got them from just mid-table all the way to the top four consistently this season. I think that's been a big factor in Eddie Howe's um, growth this season for Newcastle United. What do you think, Lewis? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, it really helps with, um, when you look at the squad depth we have, it isn't a massive squad. Like I was still look- annoyed you got rid of Chris Wood. Sorry to interrupt. I like Chris Wood at Newcastle. I thought he fit the ball perfectly as a third choice striker. 
Oh no, I'm glad he's gone. I'll be honest. I'm <laughs> glad he's gone. But um, yeah, our squad depth is is very minimal. So like you look at the players we bring on and the 60, 70th minute, it's Jacob Murphy, Matt Ritchie. Um, like not players that you see as a top four, top six team. Matty so, Target, long stuff. Exactly, yeah. Um, whereas, you know, the big six, as the traditional big six, as it were, they've I got call them the big five there. and Spurs because Spurs huh? don't deserve I call them the big five and Spurs. I don't like oh. putting Spurs in the top six. Well, a lot of to be fair, they ain't won anything. So, yeah, exactly. you, you, you kind of got to go with that. But, um, yeah, with those teams, their squad depth is incredible, but they're having to play so many games. We're lucky in the fact that we haven't had any European competition whatsoever. You kind of see it like when teams have like a rebuild. You look at Arsenal a few years back, no cup competitions at all, and then they were pushing really hard the next couple of seasons after. Chelsea had that a few years back, no Champions League football. So it really does like affect the team as a whole, not having that football because you want to fight to get it more you're fresher every day every time you play a Premier League game so it, I think it's definitely benefited us but if we are lucky enough to get European football in the form of Champions League or Europa League we need a better and bigger squad as a whole definitely right let's let's go straight to the Carabao Cup final elephant in the room here Lewis no Dubravka who I think is a very good goalkeeper after seeing him at Old Trafford uh, Man United against Aston Villa I, I quite enjoyed Dubravka I don't get why you got him back within six months that made no sense to me but no Dubravka and obviously no Nick Pope um, as well for the Carabao Cup final how is it looking as a Newcastle fan from your side uh, with Carrius or Mark Gillespie um, turning up in goal for you in a cup final Lewis the but again the first, night, well, first final since 1999 as well I know and Pope has played every single game of the cup so like when you have a cup competition normally you would play like your second string keeper but Pope has played every game and yeah it's really a bitter pill to swallow because he's been fantastic all season the one mistake he makes is the game before a a big final so it's absolutely devastating um, to then not have Martin Dubravka for you know, the fact he's cup tied, he's such an incredible shot stopper. Um, and knowing that we've got Carrius, whose last time in a final was that dreaded Champions League final where he got concussion, Gareth Bale's 40-yard screamer and overhead kick triumph uh, Real Madrid to the to the Champions League. However, on the It's Football Day podcast, we love a bit of story. We love a bit of context. And it's Carrius's redemption arc incoming, I swear down. Roy of the Rovers vibes, I would say, as well. It's literally coming out of nowhere, coming out of the football wilderness to come back into a cup final, Wembley, 80,000 people. And you're just kind of there, like, first shot on goal, Marcus Rashford. Carriage sips over the bar, gets the form going, gets the crowd going for Newcastle. It could build from there as well. That's all the that's all goalkeepers need sometimes, just a bit of confidence, a bit of reassurance from the back as well. And your defence this season, we've spoken about it a lot this season and we've praised Newcastle a lot with how well your defence has been consistently all season long. Um, hasn't been that great since the World Cup, I would say. So it's been a bit topsy-turvy, but before the World Cup, one of the best defences I've seen in the Premier League for a long time as well. Trippier, Fabian Shah, who you and I both said when we first spoke, I think two years ago now, on, on our podcast. He's a quality defender. Yeah. And now he's getting his flowers for being in such a great back four, being next to Sven Botman, uh, Dan Burnett left back as well. But 
how does it feel with your defense? Are you are you not, you should be confident in that defense? I would say, but what are you th- what are you feeling about that defense? Yeah, I'm, I'm extremely confident. Uh, look, you've Man United have some fantastic players. Rashford is firing on all cylinders. Veghorst holds the ball up really well. Sancho's coming into a bit of form as well. So as a whole, your forward like three four do frighten me. However. I look at the form we've had this season. We shut you out the first time round in a nil-nil draw. Yes, it was we were defending for our lives at times, but you know that's what we we can do. We'll put our bodies on the line. Dan Byrne is an absolute revelation. When we signed him from Brighton, look, I was I was happy because he plays well for Brighton, but at the same time, you know, it was a local lad, so I was like, yeah, buzzing. We've got that real Geordie feel about the about the team and like we're really like Sean Longstaff, Matty Longstaff, all players like that. Now Dan Byrne. But I thought quality wise, I wasn't expecting him to do much. Yeah. He's been absolutely phenomenal. He, we obviously come in at centre back to start with because we didn't have Sven Botman. Eddie Howe's incredible at making, um, you know, not average players, but players with good quality better. You look at the likes of Joel Linton, Sean Longstaff, Fabian Cher, they are good quality ballers, but he is just heightening every talent that they have. Um, and yeah, Sven Botman genuinely, he could be at a top, well, he is at a top 16, but he could <laughs> be at the traditional top five and Spurs team, as you would say, um, mm-hmm. e- easily. He could be in a Champions League team right now. And I mean, he was in the form of uh, Lille. So genuinely fantastic acquisition, in my opinion, other than Haaland, one of the signings of the season, the best signing of the season. I reckon if you got top four, it will be time of the season, in my opinion, as well. Because Haaland was expected at Manchester City to be a revelation. But uh, Sven Botman as well, coming into the Premier League like that, like he has some unbelievable centre-back as well. Such composure for a young man. And we've said previously as well, our listeners are probably fed up of us. We know that being a left-footed centre-back who can play out from the back is yeah. in fashion now. It's on vogue. But it's one of those things that you can't not talk about because that's what football was going through now as well as going through that traditional change of if you're a good centre-back and you just blast it to Rosette all the time yeah it's good but it's not top Premier League quality anymore as yeah. well you need uh, better quality to improve in your defence not just in your attack as well but uh, with ball playing um, defenders like Sven Botman as well which I think is an absolutely fantastic um, player to watch and to appreciate as well now let's go and see your midfield so, obviously, another player who's had a fantastic season. We are going to talk about Miguel Amiron in a bit. But I want to talk about Joe Willock, personally. I think he's been one of the players where, when he went on loan, I think it was last season to Newcastle United as well, I thought he was like, oh, yeah, it's going to be good to see him go back to Arsenal and kind of just carry on with with, uh, with his with his form that he got at Newcastle. But Newcastle bought him permanently as well. Um, they were looking at probably building around him and uh, Bruno Guimaraes, who will be back for the final as well. Again, just just for the people who don't really watch Newcastle week in, week out, how has that midfield free work for you of Joel Linton, Bruno Guimaraes, and Joe Will? Because we've seen without Bruno Guimaraes as well, it's not the same. It's not the same quality. There's not the same composure as well. But what have those three kind of brought for Newcastle United this season from your point of view? Well, it's actually a tough one because you mentioned Joe Willock there, but he actually plays on the left for us, like as a left wing. Yeah. So you'll have Joel Linton. Uh, so Bruno in the six, so just behind the two pressing midfielders. Yeah. Then you have Joel Linton and Sean Longstaff as our box-to-box midfielders almost. And then Joe Willock plays on the left wing, but unfortunately he's actually injured. So he's That's probably not... Yeah, he's not going to feature in the final. Um, and it is a shame because that kind of midfield free and then Miggy and uh, Joe on the, the left has genuinely been brilliant. Like 
But you look at the results we're getting. Bruno is such a good ball-playing midfielder. Um, he's not scared to get in a tackle, which ultimately got him a red card in the semis. <laughs> but um, he's not scared to put it, put a foot in. Joel Linton will do everything to run back and work hard for the team. And Sean Longstaff plays for that badge every every single time he plays. He is uh, the, dist- the, the highest distance covered every game we have. I think he runs about average 17K a game, which is ridiculous um constantly back and forth is his finishing was questionable but now I, I have no qualms with that after two goals in the semi-final if he can do that every day of the week i'll be absolutely buzzing um, he can do on sunday yeah hopefully well matty longstaff got the goal against man united in the one nil win maybe sean longstaff's time to win the cup for us because there was a time when man united actually wanted to get sean longstaff as well and they wanted yeah. to they were quoted for like 30 million to 40 million is when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was manager and everyone was like what does he see in the boy? And now yeah. we're seeing what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer saw um, from Sean Longstaff as well. It's just a quality story, I would say, from Sean Longstaff as well in terms of what he's done for uh, Newcastle United. He could have been one of those players that's kind of not thrown his toys out the pram with this new money, with the new ownership coming in as well. He's kind of stood up to him. Eddie Howard, just like you said as well, for him and Joel Linton as well, gone from having like average players into much better players and consistent yeah. players as well which I think is fantastic and well, especially with Joel Linton as well when Eddie Howe came in last season changed him to a midfielder an attacking midfielder never knew how you'd get a second lease of life out of Joel Linton like that but he did which was amazing to see yeah it really has like it's it's a whole new player and uh, with Longstaff as well um, he was nearly out the door like um, when so when Man United wanted to sign him it was about 20 19 to 2020 um and then yeah obviously the lockdown happened we had Steve Bruce our manager and he fell out of favor like he didn't play Sean Longstaff and he was nearly out the door and he actually said in an interview uh today um funnily enough Sean Longstaff about how Eddie Howe called him as soon as he was the manager and said, you are going to be like a driving force of my team. I want you to be in the team. And he's really like had a massive resurgence in his career because of that. And he's made him fall in love with football again, fall in love with Newcastle again. And we'll look, it's paying dividends. He's in a, a Carabao Cup final, starting midfielder every week, man of the match awards. I think he's had about three or four this year, uh, this season alone. It genuinely is incredible. And I can't wait to see what happens with him in the final because, you know, him up against Casemiro and that whole midfield, you know, Casemiro, Bruno, I think it's just going to be such a good battle. Potential England call-up for Sean Longstaff? Uh, I think he could get there, but midfield is such a difficult position because I look at who else is in there. Obviously, he could be the one that replaces a retired Jordan Henderson, maybe. Um, If Jordan Henderson retires... It's exactly what Sean Longstaff kind of plays, that back and forth, back and forth. But does he get in ahead of Declan, players like Declan Rice? Definitely not. Jude Bellingham, no. Um, and then Calvin Phillips, I still think is a great player. Um, it's not so, yeah, game I've, time at Man City. Exactly, yeah. I think with with that's what Longstaff has an edge over. He does get a lot of game time in a team that's doing phenomenal as well. Um, and Calvin Phillips isn't getting that. So, yeah, for me, he's behind... Um, Rice and Bellingham but he could definitely be in that squad I, I, I have no reason as to why why he couldn't be definitely absolutely as well and let's talk about your attack now as well so obviously it was my mistake I, I've always just seen w- uh, Willock drop into midfield a lot more yeah, as well, yeah. but he was kind of that fo- uh, float, uh, floating midfielder as well but let's talk about um, 
Wilson. Let's talk about Isaac, who I think is going to be a fantastic striker for you in the future as well. And obviously Miguel Armiron as well. So you've got quite a few different attackers on there as well. Alain Sek Maximan, who probably was your main man for a season or two uh, before the uh, Eddie Howe revelation yeah. came along and the new Arab money came in as well. Now he's got a lot more support, but it, mean that, it means that Alain Sek Maximan isn't the main man anymore. And you've got such a balanced team now as well because he can come off the bench. He can come on uh, and impact the game differently as well. How do you see you starting against Man United? Do you think we'll be a St. Maximan Wilson or say Maximan Isaac uh, uh, Almiron front three. How do you see it going, Lips? I can see it being a uh, Wilson up top with Almiron on the right and say Maximum on the left. Mm. I think there is no way Eddie Howe can drop um, say Maximum after his performance against Liverpool. Yes, we lost 2 0. Um, yes, he went down to 10 men, but the man of the match, if it's not Allison for keeping them in it, it was Alan Say Maximum. He was incredible in that game. He really played fantastically well um you know he drove us up the pitch when they should be dominating that ball with the fact they had a man advantage um and he drove us up that pitch he had a a couple of great pop shots um that you know were narrowly saved by Allison. um I can't see how you don't play him um and then a question is is Callum Wilson 100% fully fit over Isaac I think we will play Wilson. I think even a 75% fit Wilson would be better against Martinez and uh, Varane because he's done it already early in the season, bullied Martinez in that game. Um, despite obviously keeping a clean sheet, he was all over him. We should have had a penalty in that game, I, I do believe. But the same we time, we should have so had several have, as well and a yeah, goal. Yeah, so should have Man United. Like, I believe, yeah, so. I mean, we'll go Wilson. However, having Alexander Isaac off the bench is, yeah, I'm really excited for that. I think him, if if I was to have Alisson Maximum or Isaac coming off the bench, I'd be very, very happy. Um, I'd, I, I'm more scared of Wilson than I am of Alexander Isaac because I think Alexander yeah. Isaac is probably two scenes away from being the main man um, at Newcastle United and even the main man for Sweden as well in the national side. But Callum Wilson has been there, done that. His, he, I think with his story as well, coming all the way from lower league football, going uh, for Bournemouth as well, all the way up to Newcastle, potentially playing Champions League football and obviously getting to the World Cup with England as well. It is a story where, annoyingly, you don't hear it enough because there's other players that have done more than Callum Wilson in a way, but it's still a big story for what he's done in his career as well. So it's going to be good to see how Callum Wilson does in his first Carabao Cup final uh, for Newcastle United. Right, just to end the podcast as well, Lewis, what's your score prediction and what's your main prediction for the tactical battles as well. Are there going to be any key battles you think you should watch out for on the weekend? Or do you think it's going to be a straight shootout between the two? I think Rashford up against Trippier will be a very, very good battle. Um, my only concern is that Trippier is not the fastest of players. He's got a lot of yellow cards this season from a man getting past him and him taking him out or, you know, a clumsy challenge because a player's too quick for him, like getting the yep. ball around him. I think that'll be a very good matchup. All I can hope for is no early yellow cards because with a dangerous attack that you have, you can come at our defence. So I don't want any early yellow cards. I think it'll be a very, very good game. Um, I'm, do you know what? I'm not even nervous about it now. I'm just excited for it. Um, I'm just going to embrace the moment. I, I'm not specifically going to the game, but I will be around the Wembley area. Um, celebrate, like hopefully celebrating after, but kind of getting the atmosphere, soaking it in. You know, the first final we've had in absolutely ages. So I just want to be in that atmosphere. 
And if you're going to push, push me for a score prediction, uh, I am going to go with 2-1 after extra time to Newcastle. Ooh. I think it'll be one all going into full time. Um, a Rashford and Callum Wilson goal. Um, I genuinely think it'll be a tower of two really hot informed teams just going at it for 90 minutes. And then, yeah, it will go to 120 and Sean Longstaff's going to get the winner in the 118th or something. Something um, odd like that. Huh? It's going to be something odd like that. I was predicting a 3-2 as well into extra time as well. That's why I went all straight away. We know it's going to go the distance because that's how we're both going to be playing. We're going to go hammer and tongs at one another yeah. as well in this cup final. And it's Man United's I, first cup final since 2021 um, against Villarreal. And we've lost a lot of our previous cup finals as well. So it could be our first win of a trophy in six years as well. So the desperation for Man United is there, but obviously the, the excitement and the jubilation will be there for Newcastle United as well. And I think playing as the underdogs for Newcastle will play into your hands as well. Yeah. Eddie Howe can take that into his stride and Newcastle United can take it into their stride as well. And you'll bring an army down from the northeast of England as well um, onto Wembley Stadium, which will be absolutely crazy. And it will be a fantastic atmosphere um, for Sunday evening as well, which will be good fun. Ah, yeah, you're right. You can't, be, you can't be nervous about these games. You can only be excited about these games as well because that's how it is at the end of the day with, with football it, and with this cup final. Exactly. If you ask me at the start of the season... Would you take a Carabao Cup final, but you lose it? Yeah, I would, because I didn't know where we were going to be at the start of the season. I predicted we'd be top eight. I didn't think we'd be anywhere near where we are right now. So everything we do from here is amazing. Obviously, you want to win it. I'm not saying I want to lose it, but how far we've come as a season and as a team is genuinely just incredible. So I'm happy to be there. I want to win it. I hope we do win it, but... You know, we will. We'll just have to see how it goes. But I'm, I'm bloody excited for it. I'll tell you that. Best way to end it. But no, everyone, thank you very much for listening, Lewis. It's been a pleasure to speak to you once again, my friend. You need to come back on to Friday Night Counter Attack a lot more now for the rest of the season. Need more old cameo appearances from you over the yeah. season. Yeah, especially bro, whilst, def- especially whilst Newcastle are good as well. Yeah, well, give me a couple of years. You won't want to talk to me when we're actually scrapping relegation. That's again. why. That's why I want you now as well. That's why I want you <laughs> once you got the money and you got the hype about it as well, which is good fun. Uh, but where can everyone find you if they do want to hear more from your podcast as well, Lewis? Yes, yeah, so you can find us on all streaming platforms: so Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. It's just it's Football Day. Uh, if you want to follow us on Instagram and Twitter, we're pretty active on there. That is it's Football Day underscore. So yeah, interact with us, follow us. Um, we are always posting content, like kind of polls and stuff like that. So feel free to get involved. And we have an FPL league that has an 80 man deep at the moment. And the winner gets a uh, Premier League shirt of your choice for the new season. So if you, if you think you're doing well, you can. I think pretty sure you can still join it. And it's on our Instagram. I think I'm like 38th on your league as well, which is worrying. I'm like, because... I'm like ninth at the moment. I'm pushing the top 10. I'm, I'll take it. I, I've realised since hosting my own FPL leagues, I'm not very good. Like, I think I'm good, <laughs> but I'm not. So I'm just like, yeah, there's no more prizes anymore. So it's not it's not for us. Sorry, everyone listening. But yeah, no prizes from us. We're broke <laughs> at Friday Night Counter Attack. Actually, because I spend money on football tickets more than anything. But it is what it is. But no, everyone, thank you very much for listening. Lewis, thank you for your time. As always, it's a pleasure. We'll Thanks, speak to mate. you next time. And we'll see you later.